This is conversations about Eastern Europe. Today I speak with a Ukrainian who fled to Denmark in the beginning of the large-scale invasion. This is also my first episode in English, so I am very glad to publish it and I really hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to a conversation about Ukraine. Today I will be speaking with Daria Boyko. And she is a Ukrainian who fled from Ukraine to Denmark in the beginning of the war. And you are now living in Holbeck. Mm-hmm. And um, I am very excited to have you um, with me today because so far I've posted two conversations and both of them are in Danish. One is with a politician and one is with a military experts. And it is two people I um, hold in very high regard in their positions um, and with relation to what they have said about the war. But today I'm speaking with Daria and she's a Ukrainian. And the point of making all these conversations and publishing them in the first place was that I wanted to learn more about Eastern Europe and I wanted to learn it from the people who can actually describe it because they are they're from there. Um, and I believe this is very important, um, as I also write in my description, because I believe we failed by not fulfilling our responsibilities in the West um, with regards to what happened in 2013-14 in Ukraine, in Kiev, what happened in the period after that, leading up to the large-scale invasion. And I think we also failed um, after the large-scale invasion. And I realized this maybe be uh, this maybe is a bit, um, sounds a bit radical for someone to hear, but I just think it is the realities and we have to live up to these realities. And we have to change the way we act, the way we talk, um, and the way we uh, basically view uh, the world, and especially Russia right now. Uh, fundamental um, concerning this is providing Ukraine with whatever they need to win this war. And this is not just for Ukraine, um, this is for the whole world. And I think every Ukrainian you will be talking to uh, will tell you the exactly same thing because they understand that this is actually a fight for freedom against an autocratic regime that is trying to commit a mass murder on their um, on the population. And I know the world is not a, a nice place. There's a lot of um, bad things going on out there. Um, but with Ukraine, we have um, a, a case where there's actually a people willing to fight for freedom, to die for freedom. And it is also... Um, a people and a country that in long term um, definitely belongs to the European democratic family. That is just without question. Um, And that's the way it's going to be. And we can either um, sit idly by and not um, like invite Ukraine um, and do our best to help them. Or we can do um, what I want us to do. Um, And... Yeah, I realized this was very long, and I just said uh, before uh, the conversation that it wouldn't be. Even though I want to thank you for that words, uh, it's really strong messages. 
that seem obvious to me but may not seem obvious to some people. Mm. Uh, so I it's think important to be said. I, f- I think it, it, it goes like this. Everybody in Denmark um, in general supports Ukraine, mm-hmm. wants Ukraine to win. But I don't think that it, um, many people realize that speaking about it, doing activism about it, um, talking to your friends about it, um, and just generally making people um, understand it more and making p- people change their opinions as well. That is what you need to do because that is in the end what um, enables the politicians to make the policy choices that helps Ukraine. That is that is how the world works. That is, uh, It's like that. Uh, so I think we really have to do whatever we can do um, to help Ukraine. And as I was talking about, I had two conversations in Danish. Um, the one was pretty critical of the Danish left. Um, I think that's important because you have to place responsibility and hold people accountable for what they have said um, pub- publicly. And with the military expert, of course, it's it's great to hear um, like analysis of the war, um, of the situation um, that not that does not just come from me, uh, from me who is like a freelance um, military um, analyst. I, I guess when I um, when I say anything um, concerning the specific development um, on the ground, um, but. N- that's why it's so, but the point is to understand Eastern Europe because if we understand Eastern Europe better, we will not in the future make the same mistake that we committed towards Ukraine by not living up to our responsibility um, as the democratic part of uh, Europe um, facing up to Russian aggression. So by talking to you, by talking to other Ukrainians, Georgians and so on, um, I believe we can make this, um, we can improve our understanding and then not commit the same mistake. And this was a, a very, very long uh, introduction, but I, I I, just, I couldn't help it, I guess, um, because I, I really strongly believe these things. Um, but now I will give the word to um, to you, Daria. Um, can you talk a bit about yourself? Um, maybe just in the beginning, like how you got to Denmark and what happened, and then we will dive deeper. Um, yeah, at the beginning of full-scale invasion, um, 24th of February, I've been in the capital of Ukraine, in Kyiv, because I was studying there in university. And um, several quick-made decisions led to, to um, going to Denmark, because I already knew some people from here, uh, from cross-political network. Uh, because I'm a part of a youth-led political organization in Ukraine, which is called Liberal Democratic League of Ukraine. Mm. And um, this organization is involved in cross-political network between Danish youth political organizations and Ukrainian ones. And this network still goes. um, And therefore, right several months before the full-scale invasion, I met those people. And um, when a question came up, where should I go? Uh, I realized that the most people who I know in any country is Denmark. Like that? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> that was the decision. Mm. Um, I, d- I just realized that 
coming there, whether it's going to be for months or longer. Um, I'll be able to continue some activities. I'll be able to be engaged in uh, youth politics and um, I will have a straightforward opportunity to spread information to some of my friends and uh, to people in Denmark. Therefore, I got there with my friend, uh, with whom we still live uh, in Holbeck. And yeah, pretty much it. Maybe I lost something. Mm, uh, I think that was a great uh, resume of what happened. Um, I think it's funny that Denmark was the place where you yeah. where you knew the most it people. Is. We are a pretty small country. Um, well, actually, I was supposed to go to one of the seminars um, in cross political network uh, at the end of the March of 2022. I was going to, uh, but then the full scale invasion started, and I got to Denmark anyway, <laughs> but under other circumstances. So I guess you can say that already before the war mm-hmm. you were politically active. Yeah. And now you're carrying on doing what you can. Yeah. To uh, help Ukraine. I think I've developed pretty much uh, throughout uh, last year. How have I, your um, political views uh, developed? Well, I think I pretty much still sticking to uh, liberal democracy. Uh, therefore, I'm still staying in my organization and um, representing it on congresses of uh, other liberal organizations, which I have an opportunity to go to. Um, therefore, that are my political views. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's just be clear about that as mm-hmm. well. Um, you are active in the political youth organization mm-hmm. um, in the past I was very active in a political youth organization as well um, the social democratic youth of Denmark I believe the English name is um, and therefore of course we are also um, talking based upon um, a certain political um, viewpoint i just want to be clear uh, about that, um, but I think in 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 this uh, specific case, and given what we're talking about, mm-hmm. I, I think it's. I don't think it really comes down to your um, party political, yeah, um, sure. like alignment. I think it goes beyond that um, in this case, and I, I say that as someone who who is pretty um, strongly linked to my uh, to my party and um, who who knows that a lot of the um, positions I have today is also, um, at least to a certain degree, um, the result of, of what I learned when I was younger um, and stuff like that. But but this point, the, the war in Ukraine, um, Ukraine's struggle for freedom, I just believe transcends uh, those things. Yeah, Can you elaborate a bit on, yeah, I want to on say that? that? What I love about Denmark is the fact that even parties that are on difficult political, uh, like different points mm-hmm. of political spectrum, they all are uh, agreeing on the matter of 
help in Ukraine. Maybe not all of them. I'm not sure. I'm not so into in, in, deep don't, into. Don't don't go into that. All right. Okay, <laughs> that, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll do that. All but, right. But what I know, <laughs> at least, um, like I've been talking with the um, young people from different parties uh, and. Which, do you remember any of the parties? Uh, well, it's social democrats. All of them. Um, <laughs> Did you also talk with uh, Danish well, people? Uh, I'm not sure. Party you? Uh, uh, actually, yes. You did. Uh, uh, Danish People's Party. Mm? Uh, I mean, DFU. DFU, yeah, exactly. Yes, um, I know at least two guys from Youth Party, uh, and they are pretty much strong supporting Ukraine. Maybe because they're in, in like engaged in cross political network and ah, and all no, that no, stuff. No. So I cannot be objective the Danish, about it. Uh, the Danish People Party is one hundred percent on board with Ukraine. Sure, um, I, that's at least how I view it. Like so. conservative party as well, social liberal youth. Uh, mm. Other parties as well. Um, I don't think we should go too much into that. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I just wanted to point out that, like, I can see that people have different uh, views, different views, but on the matter, exactly, yeah. they are agreeing, and that's great. And also, uh, we had a seminar recently, and it means that people from different political parties from Ukraine also been presented, and maybe I have not been agreeing with the, some of them mm-hmm. um, I also before the post-scale innovation, but right now it doesn't matter because uh, we're all of us are standing strongly on the position of supporting Freedom. yeah, well, supporting mm-hmm. our um, sovereignty, sovereignty and national integrity. The most important values in the world, I think, is the one um, Ukraine is fighting for right now. Uh, what you just said, and I, and I talked with um, Frederick um, from um, the Parliament, mm-hmm. a Social Democrat, and he was talking about uh, feelings, um, in a sense of which feelings is it that lead people um, to take actions, um, meaning, for example, political demonstrations, mm-hmm. um, activities, and so on, and. One of the things we um, talked about, and this also, this goes back to the point about responsibility um, and so on, uh, where I think we have failed. We talked about this, um, that maybe the feelings that get us here, I don't, I don't think if you can talk a bit about that maybe, but in Denmark, for example, mm-hmm. what, um, I can put it this way, There was a lot of demonstrations in the beginning in Denmark, a lot, and they were big and so on. But And there was also a demonstration, um, I believe, on the 24th of February this year. Maybe you went even. And maybe you have been to more uh, also. Um, but it isn't a subject that really keeps, um, like, keep people um, actively participating to, like, a big degree. Do you know what I mean? I guess. Um, so. What are you thinking about? Sorry. In the matter of that, people are forgetting to. Not 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 it. not that we're forgetting. No, um, but if you want more action to be taken mm-hmm. by politicians, you have to go out there and make your voice heard, um, 
and this is what people do for example um this is what okay here i really didn't want to draw in my post from earlier mm. but uh here here uh, here it comes i know for a fact that if the government decides to shorten the educations the master um that is something that will make people go out on the street they will go out and protest they will go out and demand their um political rights um they will go out and say we we shouldn't um take this year and so on and i believe that they will do this repeatedly um and over over a long period as well and i just don't think that is uh happening in the same way with ukraine well hmm, it's hard to put it because um actually the first thing that comes to my mind that i also I think maybe It yeah. just just uh, because it's um because I'm I'm seeing it I guess from the the more Danish uh mm-hmm. angle uh, as someone who knows about the political environment in Denmark and so on whereas you maybe see it from like a middle position I guess mm-hmm. uh, Oh as I was saying mm-hmm. the first thing that comes to my mind is the fact that uh, how sadly it wouldn't be um the average attention span of any uh, how i don't want to say it but conflict um is eight months mm-hmm. approximately and you have to re- and like it seems to me that you have to remind people there have to be a trigger there have to be uh, you know um a case yeah that, an event or an event a picture uh, like, of course in Ukraine it happens every day and uh, uh there is plenty of events you can talk about if you put it that way um but as far as i've seen the most loud one for example when it was azovstal um but that's surrounded also, yeah. there have been protests but that was it? also a long time ago yeah and uh and Interact uh, in Alenivka with our um, war prisoners. Um, yeah, it's um, so. What you're saying is that you you uh, you think maybe if there was more of these traitors. Oh. No, <laughs> that would sound so inappropriate. No, no, no. But um, but it's. Um, it's I mean, there are plenty of triggers right now. Um, but the, people are just like, not seeing them tragedies tra- are happening every day uh, what I think uh, we need is more um, bringing attention to those cases uh, it's not like nothing happened recently uh, terrible no it happens every day and terror, t- terror is happening every day it's just uh, we need to keep our uh, eyes on it and we mm-hmm. need more attention for that uh, so people would have something to protest against because uh, otherwise uh, it wouldn't make sense to protest every day yeah true true and um, we should also um, move on soon to um, to your story uh, I, I just want to say this um, and this is to also uh where we uh western audience uh maybe or to if anyone uh listens in 
France, Germany, the United States, England. I so far I have had that many listeners from uh, around the world, though. But let's just say so, um, because uh, Frederick from uh, the Parliament he came up with uh, this example. Let's say that USA invaded Mali, an African country, mm-hmm. where I believe um, it could also be Burkina Faso. In one of these countries, I know there is a regime that is supported by Russian soldiers. Mm-hmm. That would be, to to every point, a way more eth- ethical and morally correct war than the one uh, Russia is pursuing in Ukraine. Um, but if that were to happen, and I know this is very uh, hypothetical, but it is to make a point to all the uh, Europeans and Americans out there, uh, because you need to hear it. If that were to happen, we would see so many protests and we would see them on and on and on because then it would be the United States and it is way more popular to criticize the United States in the active political environments. That's just how it is again. And I'm sorry to say it, um, but that is just the way it is. That's that's how it is in uh, Europe. And... um, also in the United States, I believe. Um, this is not to say that there aren't any demonstrations. People are doing amazing work uh, like you. Um, I also um, believe that what I'm doing is a part of this. Um, but but that is just the way it is. Um, and, and I think that is... Um, a, that is... That is, that is it, it becomes a bit um, like, how can you say um, what other people should use their time on and that is completely true that's why why I, I that's what i am doing is using my time also to help ukraine to promote ukraine um to get people to understand that more weapons is uh, what you need to do um and this is also just to you daria daria um this is no in no way me saying that we are not committed mm-hmm. this is just me saying that there isn't a grassroot movement Mm-hmm. Um, uh, pursuing um, having more weapons being sent to Ukraine, for example. Um, and I just think that's interesting. Well, to keep it more positive, it seems to me that, uh, well, it, this movement is uh, uh, developing. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I can see how um, the organization that focuses on humanitarian help, I believe, uh, which is called Bivar Ukraine, Mm. um, uh, developed throughout the last year in Denmark. Um, Also, uh, Ukrainian Danish Youth House is uh, working on supporting Ukrainian youth, is what I see. Um, And also, like, my focus is mostly on uh, uh, youth-related topics, uh, but doof as well. And, and hey, I, I need to cut in here to Danish listeners. This is DUF, which uh, stands for uh, Dansk Ungdomsfællesråd. It is not the uh, <laughs> it is <laughs> oh, not the travel agency. It is not the travel agency oh. Dansk Ungdomsfællesråd. It is not oh, the travel okay. agency. All right, it is, but it is funny. But it's not the travel agency. No, that's the first thing you thought about. <laughs> no, no, no. But that's because I, uh, I've sometimes also been um, 
doing stuff related yeah. to Doof. Yeah. And whenever I say to my friends uh, something with Doof, they just always go, oh, Dansk Ungdoms Fællesrejser, which is the travel agency that does these youth travels to uh, mm-hmm. Bulgaria, for example, or to Mabea or like, you know, a party yeah, place. Yeah. And they just always, when I say it to them, they just make this joke. So I just want to make... Yeah. Because people, because people literally ask, like, also, what if I say it's political and stuff like that, they even go like, doof. <laughs> like, which doof? And I, I really have to explain it. So I, I just I just need to say it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I move <laughs> well, on. Sorry. The good thing that you pointed it out. You were coming uh, from doof. Yeah, yeah active. Also, Ukrainian um, house uh, opened uh, in Copenhagen. So it's more focused on culture and it's really much, uh, I guess, the main auditory is uh, Danes, mm. it seems to me. Uh, yeah, it mostly connected with culture, but as I said, keeping it positive, it seems to me sure, that sure, uh, sure, sure. this moment is developing Let's at keep least it positive. in the matter of culture. And of course, we need um, more um attention to that every day because the more uh, is uh, means the sooner uh, the war is over mm, sure and uh, I also just want to say um, that I sometimes uh, I speak very directly I think you can uh, hear that that's fine for me mm, uh, <laughs> and I also uh, know that Ukrainians speak pretty directly in general I've heard at least um, and that's just the way it's going to be in this uh, when I do these conversations. Um, it's not to um, like step anybody on the toes, but I just believe that in these times where Ukraine is right now um, being <laughs> brutally invaded uh, by someone who is trying to commit a mass suicide on Ukraine, it's not time to um, to to think about if what you're saying might hurt someone's feelings. I think what you should put forward is, is what I'm saying helping Ukraine? Um, when you talk to, like, when you talk about Ukraine, um, um, and that's like, um, that's like a premise, I think. Um, so it's it's not in um, any way to like do that on purpose um, if that happens. But um, I think what you were talking about, the community developing and so on, uh, is very good. Where do you see it like going from uh, here? What do you think is uh, like with the community and so on, the work that you are doing? Um, do I have some activities in the next um, period you know about? Yeah, or? Mostly I'm connected to, again, uh, this cross-political network and we are working on um, uh, projects uh, do you have anything together. coming up that people can go to? or? Uh, not really soon. It's in the process. I guess, but I highly suggest uh, to visit uh, Ukrainian house. Where uh, is it? In uh, Copenhagen. Uh, I'm not uh, aware of the uh, uh, concrete address. Um, do you know uh, near to which station or? Ah, uh, well, Check okay, it. If, check if it. All right. I'll, I'll, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll talk a bit in uh, in the meantime. Uh, so when uh, you're finding the address, uh, I'll just say. I think it's important that we um, find the address because uh, I really want to, um, how do you say it in English? The words are escaping me. I want to tell people to go there because I want people to see uh, what work is being done. And I want 
people to engage with the Ukrainians and I want people to engage in the community um, because um, what Daria is doing is uh, helping a very important cause. Do you have the address? Um, almost. <laughs> okay, I'll keep. I'll keep. I'll keep up. I'll keep up here. Uh, she is as I'm as I'm saying, um, fighting a, a good cause, and also just in general, I like people uh, who is volunteering for stuff. Gammel dog Strandgade 27 B 1401 København. Yeah, that's uh, the address. That's the Ukrainian Danish youth house. Uh, nope, uh, Ukrainian Danish youth house. Well, at least what it's called is actually placed in Kiev. Um, ah, and, oh, okay. Uh, this is um, Ukraine house in Denmark. Uh, that's um, well, as they call it, home of Ukrainian mm. culture in Denmark. And uh, actually, I haven't been there yet, but uh, their uh, announcing announcements about events uh, look pretty exciting, and uh, they have really interesting discussions on what's connected to uh, Ukrainian and Danish culture, and they share pers- perspectives. What's connected to? But that one was the twentieth of Mar- March. Uh, yeah, well, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, also, there being uh, one that's connected with the um, Easter nice. in Ukraine. What is our the... traditions? I need to follow. It's called Ukraine House in Denmark. Ukraine House in Denmark. Do you, uh, can you talk a bit about um, some of the activities that has uh, already been there? Um, yeah, they had uh, at least um, the last thing that I saw was charity marathon which was called Ukrainian Easter. Um, Is it that no, the one? Ukrainian Danish Easter. Yeah, I know it's uh, uh, maybe confusing so with the names. What was the name, sorry? Uh, Ukraine House in Denmark. Ukraine House in Denmark. Okay, and talk about the event yet? Yeah, so there was an event of charity marathon uh, with the, our traditions on Easter. Also, there is like plenty of discussions, like how to nurture a culture of responsible citizenship, as I can see, media lessons, uh, something, uh, some discussions uh, and conversations about mm-hmm. our poets. Um, amazing. And, Just amazing. And also, I know that there are uh, gallery. Um, that works almost all the time. I be, may be wrong, but yeah, you can also go there and see and how, how um, is the, some artworks of uh, Ukrainians. If you were to make an, um, I guess, uh, what would you say that the, the, I don't have the English words with me today. I mm-hmm. think it's because I was out mm-hmm. last night and then I missed, <laughs> then I missed a few words today. <laughs> But uh, how many uh, percent? What is the percentage of uh, Danes and uh, foreigners, or Danes and U- or Ukrainians uh, who is active in the house? I'll be honest. I'm not really aware of it. I'm just. I just heard about this initiative that it just opened uh, relatively recently, mm-hmm. uh, and I actually want to go there really bad by myself. Uh, but uh, we can go there at some point if, yeah. uh, and then uh, sure haven't been there yet but I, it seems to me that it would be nice when we, to when we get our time to get uh, <laughs> yeah. if we can 
find time to do that because so far we haven't been the best uh, <laughs> time managers concerning our conversations. Um, yeah. uh, but so very important that you mention these things and that you um, talk about um, such stuff because it's very important to keep up the positivity, um, to keep up the energy, the spirit um, concerning this course, which is also a course for freedom in Denmark, I believe. Um, what you're doing, the house is a bit, um, I guess you could say it's a bit less directly, um, politically, um, mm -hmm. like, uh, work and more, um, like cultural, getting to know the Ukrainian culture, yeah. bridging the, uh, Danes and Ukrainians, right? But it also like, it makes a lot of sense because culture and politics pretty much, uh, tightly connected. So... And I think even more in Ukraine, mm -hmm. um, it is connected because in Denmark we have had the luck of not having to fight uh, mm -hmm. any wars for our freedom. Sorry, but uh, that's how we are. Uh, that's how we got here. Um, and culture and politics is, of course, extremely closely linked in Denmark as well. Um, but we have had the chance to develop our culture in a more apolitical environment. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Ukraine, especially right now, everything is uh, politicized, right? Uh, yes. And, uh, well, for some people... And culture speaking, is everything, uh, so, like, yeah. Even speaking Ukrainian is a political statement. I wish to be alive in the day when it's not going to be a political mm -hmm. statement. It's exactly, just going to yeah. be a language that you speak. Uh, but for some people... That are, for example, being like been living in Russificated cities, um, and then they're switching to Ukrainian and getting to know with Ukrainian culture. That is a political statement. You kind of draw the line between um, uh, your country and uh, the one that invades you. That is, of course, that's political. Um, I've also heard that, like, and this is a quote: um, that war is the longest longest extension of politics. Mm. What do you think about that quote? Just uh, That was unfair. That was very unfair. Because I just presented a quote <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> out of nowhere. Do you remember who said it? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I don't remember Maybe who said it. Maybe you just made it up. Maybe no, 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 just... <laughs> no, 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 no. I swear it's true. It is. It is a true uh, quote. Uh, okay. Whatever. Um, and I also hope it, uh, I was very serious in the beginning, mm -hmm. and now um, we have a bit more relaxed. Um, again, atmosphere. Uh, atmosphere. I got the word. Um, and it's also just important for me to say that, uh, of course, all the, the things we're talking about is very tragic. Um, but I don't want this to be a series of conversations where I cannot laugh or where I cannot um, have fun. Uh, as well and I just think that to any anybody listening um, please just if you think that you're joking a bit too much around uh, let me know um, I will take that uh, I will notice it um, if you if you think um, it's okay you should do uh, it should be even more loose um, you can also let me know that and no uh, to my friends this does not mean that <laughs> that you can write that I should 
start doing uh, a lot of uh, crazy shit. Uh, so don't do that. Uh, so I'm not going to do that. But yeah, I want to invite the listeners and to take uh, to participate as well. And so far, I've come up with this idea that anybody that wants to that want to can write to me after they have listened to the conversation, mm-hmm. and then they can rate the conversation from one to ten. Uh, and then I will just do the math myself and right now I maybe like five p- people will do it so that will be easy so far sure and that's a where do you think we will that's land that's a build for a self-reflection where do you think we will land today uh, I think it will be pretty good today uh, I hope so and I think so far we have set like a good bar as well um, yeah so anybody write to me that's also a way of um, having me in contact with um, listeners um And I guess that's how you do this stuff as well. Uh, I'm still just in the beginning. It's my first year, it's my first conversation ever in English. Uh, so yes, this is definitely the beginning. Um, but you were talking about the positive uh, things, the work and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a reaction to what I said about um, maybe not, um, that, that we maybe not have a like activist in environment Um which sort of um, makes room for um, repeatedly um, protest in front of the Russian embassy, for example. Um, and I, I said, you can also just say, so go uh, arrange a demonstration yourself, Emil. Well, I should do, actually. Uh, <laughs> but to be honest, that, that is how I should do. Uh, but I, I think this is maybe um, a better way, given the environment mm-hmm. of actually... Um, fighting this cause as well um, so this will go on until Ukraine has de facto won the war uh, I cannot say how many conversations I will do, I cannot say who I will talk to um, you can read the description um, I say there who I will be talking to um, so yeah now I think um, one last thing it's about the because what you're talking about mm-hmm. the, the house, uh, the culture all these things are very important But they, but they are not about um, protesting for more weapons, for example, to Ukraine. Uh, sure, but uh, speaking about demonstrations, I know that uh, some of them been organized uh, by um, organization that I mentioned earlier, Bavar Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, on 21st of February, as far as I'm aware, uh, it's... Uh, I believe it should be a monthly thing, actually. Maybe, mm, maybe that's that's a proposition, but that's something you have to come up with. Uh, exactly. Not, not, not maybe exactly you, Emil, uh, but uh, <laughs> why not me? But maybe exactly you. I'm. <laughs> that's that's up to you. Uh, yeah, let's hear about that. That's something uh, to contact the organizations. I think they would be willing to uh, cooperate. Sure, 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 sure. Um. I mean, uh, like yes, that's great that you addressing those issues but what i'm pointing out is that we are not actually uh, you know do not have nothing we have organizations mm. that are able to like facilitate that and um it's just uh, up to our initiative exactly exactly um and and this also goes back to um what what i uh what, that i just believe it's such a fundamental thing Um, to send more weapons to Ukraine to to provide more political support um, to Ukraine. So I will 
I will keep talking about that um, to Danish listeners. There is also a, and we will go, we will go on after this. All right. Um, but I just need to, I just need to state this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is a Danish Ukraine committee. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know, maybe you know about it. Um, they specifically um, use the money you donate to them uh, to provide Ukraine with more weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Danish, yeah, the Danish Ukraine Committee. Their number is 9240 I just, uh, <laughs> I sometimes do, uh, because it's also mobile pay, right? So it's so easy. And uh, sometimes I just think about it and then I'm like, I need to, I really need to um, donate some money now. So I donated 200 kroner on the 6th of April, I can see. Um, and I do that maybe once every third month or something. Mm-hmm. And I should just believe, do that. And it's also easier in kroners, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, Fine. Oh, to, and to English listeners, uh, English speaking listeners, um, Eastern Europeans, go find your uh, organization um, that you can provide money to. And I, I would pick the one that is specifically working for more weapons if you if, if you were to donate to anything. And also want to correct myself actually earlier because I said about Bivar Ukraine. Yes, they developed throughout the uh, last year uh, since the full-scale invasion, but they've been helping Ukraine since 2014. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, they are uh, keeping on and so you can also donate uh, to them. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Mm. Uh, so this was uh, 45 uh, minutes. I just checked the time mm-hmm. and we're having this with the presentation. Uh, but I believe it has been uh, great so far. Uh, now we are going to move on to the point where you will be speaking a lot um, and I will be listening uh, because... As I've, um, and we, me and Daria has talked about the, uh, have talked about it uh, before, um, but I think she has um, an interesting story um, with regards to uh, the war. You heard in the beginning that she fled um, and now she's in Denmark, but you also have your family um, back in Ukraine and maybe not under the. I will just uh, let let you take take over from here. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, well, explaining, <laughs> I guess my life story. Uh, I was born uh, in Kherson um, Oblast, which is um, a region in the south part of Ukraine, right next to Crimea. Uh, and when I turned seventeen, I moved to Kiev. To the capital to study in university, which on the last year of education the full-scale invasion started, and um, uh, you know already that I went to Denmark afterwards. Uh, but my family, um, my parents, and my grandmas are uh, still in my hometown, which is called Oleshke. Um They are there. Didn't have an opportunity to. 
It's occupied. Champion is the temporarily occupied part as well, yeah. They didn't have an opportunity to leave that place and it was occupied on the first day of the full-scale invasion and uh, occupied uh, uh, till the moment we are talking right now. But me and my family are really hoping for the upcoming counteroffensive, which everybody talks a lot, uh, but... I'm trying to not think about it a lot. Actually, I'm just hoping and uh, trying to support uh, armed forces of Ukraine um, as much as I can. Can I ask one question? About, sure, sure. Uh, because, as you said, your family is still in the temporarily occupied mm-hmm. part of uh, Ukraine. And I know that you have uh, you've also said this uh, to me before, mm-hmm. that your mom um, is contacting you, um, messaging you sometimes, uh, saying that she's fine. Um, so at least um, I sort of think, and you, you just jump in at any point here, that was, was she uh, the, like the, the temporarily occupation that uh, she and the rest of your family there is suffering from is, is not the same as in Pucha, for example. Um, like it, Can, can you, so it's not as, um, it's, I, I should stop making these comparisons. Yeah, I guess it, that's... Uh, but can you talk a bit about how it feels to have your family in, yeah. That's not something correct to compare. Exactly, um, sorry, I, I just want to say sorry for doing that. That's that's all right. Then they've been under uh, occupation Uh, for more than a year now and actually since the last time we talked about it with you um, the situation changed a bit and they don't have uh, electricity recently uh, and internet uh, and the way I contact um, them is that my mom calls my brother who is in Ukraine on um The temper, uh, the the uh, territory con- controlled by uh, Ukraine. Um, ah, so you okay. he, He's in Odessa. Just to uh, make it clear here, your mother. Yeah. And who else is in temporarily occupied? My mother, my father, and two of my grandmas. So yeah, uh, mother, father, two grandmas, and then you have a brother in Odessa. Yeah. Which is um, sort of west south. Of Kherson, right? Uh, near the coast? Uh, yeah. Pretty close to Kherson, actually. Yeah, it is. And yeah, you were explaining how it works. Uh, so uh, he is in Odessa, and recently it's just my mom calls him, and then he texts me and also my sister that um, everything is all right, they are alive, fine, healthy. Um, But, well, the bombing and the sounds of it um, and the consequences of it. And you remember that? um, Well, I actually, no, I'm sorry. I wanted to say that it's a daily, uh, it's a part of daily life uh, of my Uh, parents and grandmas um, and they're used to it right now 
And when people ask me how they are doing, I mean, I just can say they are alive, they are fine mm. uh, in that way. But they are trying to keep on uh, living, earning money, uh, and they are just actually waiting for liberation. Mm. So when I tell you guys to um, donate money to organizations working for uh, more sending more weapons to Ukraine, mm-hmm. it is also to uh, f- liberate your parents as fast as possible. It it. As It is as well, and it, also, is, it is like that, right? Uh, and yeah. and it's not it, it is not your parents, it is every yeah. It's it, a lot of families is um, like torn apart um, like that. Um, so it, I I just want to keep phrase it. Really, I really want to keep uh, phrasing uh, how important it is. Um, it's how necessary it actually is. Uh, to keep talking about it. Also, once again, this is the first uh, conversation I do in English, and I, I don't think that um, the conversations I do in the coming period will be will be as ideological and um, strong in their uh, political uh, focus. But this this is the first one, and it, it is a deeply political issue, and it. <laughs> And I know I know some people, um, and this is very natural. They don't care about politics. Um, they don't. Um, how can you say it? They don't um, commit themselves to um, being a political person, and that is completely all right. Like you um, vote at the elections, you. Um, go through the parties. You you see what who is standing for what, and and I believe that that is completely fine. You don't have to be put, um, politically active, but sometimes politics comes to you whether you like it or not, um, and that is what has happened to a lot of Ukrainians, like your family, and this is real stuff. Politics is about real people. Um, that that has always been about real people, um, about real things, about serious things, and. Liberating your family, liberating other Ukrainian families, getting Ukrainian children home from Russia, uh, from where they have been deported to, um, stopping uh, rapes, stopping mass murder—all these things is what we are fighting against. So take part in that um, in that fight and support um, institutions, organizations, and whomever you can that is uh, that is doing that. Yeah, we got back to this now. I got back to this now, but that it's going to be like that, um, and it's not going to be as much in, in following conversations. But yeah, just listening to your story as well, uh, and I also wanted just to talk a bit to keep you maybe from having to. Uh, like you also said something very personal. Um, yeah. I, I believe so. I also want to. Like move on from that in, in 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 a good way, in a way that um, once again makes people understand what this is about, and it is in no way to to say that people don't know anything or 
anything like that. It's just can 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 you talk a bit about um, this as well? Like here, um, this this thing about politics coming to you and how you see it as Ukrainian. Um, I think that there is no way uh, to be apolitical in Ukraine, at least. Being apolitical is a great privilege that we cannot afford right now, to my mind, uh, in modern world, while uh, such stuff is happening. Well, there always be some issues that are related uh, to... um, real people's lives um, but well right now I'm saying from the side of Ukrainian uh, who is somehow engaged in politics and um, as you you actually put it in a good way that politics is about real people's lives and uh, you can not stay aside from that if you are just a regular human being in civilization and you're a part of society especially if, and especially in this cause if you believe in democracy and mm-hmm. freedom and human rights yeah yes if you believe in basic human rights uh, you cannot stay aside of that and um You don't have to be, yeah, I'm sorry, uh, you don't have to be fully committed to be uh, politically engaged. It's just... uh, You can donate 100 krona every once a year. Yeah, it's just just, uh, one of your daily routine. I know that for uh, a lot of Ukrainians, it became a part of daily routine. Like Ukrainians who still in Ukraine and work there and... um, uh, continue their daily mm-hmm. lives they have like a well this day i donate that amount of money to this organization and another day to another organization or and here is my friend volunteer who um, mm-hmm. initiated a fundraising um, speaking about that we talk a lot about donations one of my friends was a uh... Yeah. Saying to me that I should uh, start a fund uh, specifically to buy a drone to uh, Ukraine. Yeah. Well, that's what a lot. I of would love to do that, right but uh, I don't think I. Uh. <laughs> well, it makes uh, it makes more uh, sense to at least it seems to me to. And then I should have my tech, and then I should say uh, something like uh, "fuck you, Putin." <laughs> just just a pleasant message. Yeah. Um, it should it should be something like that. Mm. <coughs> what would That's you? the whole another topic to unpack. Actually, no, That's no, no. not about we, Putin. Okay, we, we take it. We take okay. We just take it. Uh, this uh, one question. All right. Yeah. If I if I ever get enough money, uh, through a uh, donation fund or something, mm-hmm. and I get enough money to buy a drone to Ukraine, mm-hmm. it could be like a scrappy drone. But anyways, <laughs> it's a drone. It's a weapon. Uh, it's going there. What should uh, it say? What should it say? Oh, damn. Actually, uh, speaking about drones, I don't think that uh, they kind of may deliver messages. They mostly... Uh, no, but if I just, just have a check, maybe uh, like, uh, you know, drones have this. Yeah. Some uh, planes uh, have the, like a check uh, where it says like it, uh, something, Inc. or some, you know, incorporated, a firm name or something like that. 
And if I could just write anything on the, what would you uh, say I should write? <laughs> well, it's up to you. You could write Copenhagen Football Club. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> yeah, I would love to do that, actually. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure that would be funny. Um, it, yeah. But may, maybe is... I couldn't do that, actually, because Copenhagen Football Club uh, yeah. wouldn't want to. Uh, uh. <laughs> but I know what you mean. It doesn't matter what it says. Uh, what matters if it, uh, it would be such an awesome thing to, to donate a drone to mm-hmm. Ukraine, right? Uh, I think I'll also, uh, to the listeners, if that is to happen, write to me possible names, uh, possible text that can uh, go along such a thing. Um, yeah, where we, we came from, uh, donations. Yeah, I, I just wanted to add that uh, you named uh, a an organization. The Danish-Ukraine Committee. Yeah, I mentioned I love also, the Danish-Ukraine Committee. Uh, <laughs> I also mentioned Bivar Ukraine. Um, and also you can... Uh, Bivar Ukraine, which means um, basically keep Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, also, you can donate directly to Ukrainian organizations, uh, the funds that are operating in Ukraine uh, mm-hmm. right now, and also to well-known uh, United Twenty Four uh, platform. United Twenty Four. United Twenty Four platform. That? You can just go to the site United Twenty Four dot gov dot ua. I believe it's yeah. called like that, and uh, there is all kind of um, good things. Um, Re- recommendations no it's um what i'm trying to find the right oh the word is escaping the from right yours english world. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes we're struggling both of us are struggling right now <laughs> speaking english uh but uh yeah um i mean the information yeah for uh like how to donate where you can donate um they keep it there and that basically goes directly to uh ukraine and Ukrainian government. Ah, I know what it is. It is like a portfolio of different uh, donation possibilities. Mm, yeah. Oh, it, yeah it, I can just look it up right now. If yeah, look, I'll, I'll, I'll talk a bit in the, in the meantime again. I really like that we are actually finding things for people to um, investigate uh, further. Because that is also one of the points that I, um, I had a conversation. They have a really nice side. Can I see? Uh, yeah. Zelensky. It's official fundraising him. platform of Ukraine. Nice. So you can just put donate now and you can choose where you can donate. If you want to uh, donate to defense and We need a link to this also. Um, there will be a lot of links in this description. Yeah. Medical aid or rebuild Ukraine. My personal recommendation is defense one because that's our priority. Um, but you can choose whatever you want. You can choose how you can pay by credit card or bank transfer. Um, and um, you can do US, it. Euro. Mm-hmm. If, you have Ukraine, if you have a Ukrainian account, you can even donate in Ukrainian. Yes. Uh, well, of course, you can do that because a lot of you, yeah. Uh, I think let's, um, because we could, um, and I would love to do that, we could keep listing uh, different initiatives mm-hmm. um, that you could um, take part in and that... Um, I would I, maybe I will sometime um, do like um, an uh, monologue where I just list different things you can um, participate in that I think are good causes. Um, but let's move on now. 
um, because um, we can circle around this forever. Uh, I also think that we are two persons who like to be politically uh, active, like to engage in political communities. Um, just that's uh, just a big part of our lives, um, I guess. Um, so that's also why we uh, we end up talking a lot about that. And um, when you are like that, then you normally also um, have a certain set of values, I believe at least, about um, being a volunteer, um, doing stuff that nobody um, tells you to do and that you don't have to do, but that you just do because you care about it and and think something is right. Um, and at this point also, it goes all the way back to um, volunteers at local football clubs, for example. Um, but I, because... One of the reasons I wanted also to make this interview a bit later mm-hmm. was that I was uh, seeing football earlier. Mm. And this, it was an amazing day today, right? <laughs> you also walked around in Copenhagen. Yeah, the weather was really nice. And I mean, Copenhagen is, uh, I think, the best place in the world when the weather is nice. I know some people who say Odessa is... I thought it's going to be Copenhagen is the best place in the world, period. <laughs> no, no way. That is, no, it's not the best place in the world, period. Well, it is because it is so nice and so... <laughs> It's a very difficult discussion. Copenhagen is an amazing place today when the sun is out. And the sun was out today. I was watching football mm-hmm. uh, at the stadium and I was just thinking that it is so good that people are standing in the... Um, selling the like things to eat, uh, things to drink um, and all this uh, sort of stuff. And they are not doing that because they are making money. They are not doing this because anybody uh, tells them to. They're doing it because it makes them glad um, and and then they they have a commitment to something um, and this goes to everybody doing um, volunteer stuff I cannot say this without saying uh, one more thing that's also controversial yeah this is coming now so if you are to um, take active part in something um, as a volunteer um, do something that you don't do because you want to do something that fits a feeling you have about which political um, activities you can do that will increase your value in a sort of social um, sphere. So that sometimes, I really, really, once again, really don't want to uh, hurt anybody's feelings. And I believe some people is also maybe doing this without even realizing it. But uh, commit yourself to a cause that you commit to because of your personal values because of um, your upbringings, because of your friends, because of the ones who are close to you. Uh, do not commit yourself to um, something um, that you're just using your time on because you um, believe it can somehow um, enable you later in life um, to um, land a good job or something like that because you did a course that was uh, fitting um, the uh, work in environment for a certain political uh, career you could be pursuing. Do something that is about your um, local community. Do something that has to do with your uh, integrity, your values. Um, it, you say something now. <laughs> well, what, I, 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 need, I need you to say something now because it is a bit controversial. Um, but what do you think about this? What I, I just said? I, to be honest... <laughs> I think we should not cut off all the people who are doing it for social values. <laughs> well, they are also contributing. Yes, maybe not. Okay, the- I can also um, elaborate a bit more on it yeah. because 
So when I got active into politics when I was 16 mm-hmm. years old, for example, I had no idea which world I was um, going into. I just knew uh, my dad was a social democrat, mm-hmm. my grandma was a social democrat, and her um, husband was a social democrat, and active political participation was a tradition, uh, at least to a certain degree in the family. I'm taking it to a, a new level. Uh, I'm pretty sure about that. Although my grandma's husband uh, has an amazing collection about um, working class history in Denmark. Um, but anyways, I wasn't doing that because I thought if I'm going into this organization, then that will somehow enable me in the future to land a job at a certain organization or um, for a certain um media or something like that. I just did it because I had a feeling that I was a social democrat and that I wanted to wanted to pursue um, the, ch- the changes um, that I could um, be active in um, creating in the in the society. So and, and if it is about your local football club, for example, uh, then you are uh, it's a bit different. Because that is not politically value-based, but it is still patri- uh, patriotic. I would say it's a patriotic um, thing to do mm-hmm. because you take active part in your own local society. And to anybody doing this, I just want to uh, do a huge uh, phrase uh, to people doing that. But being active in your local football club, especially if it's the club that I was watching today, is not something that is going to help you in your uh, professional career. Um, and, and that is, yeah, I just, I just want to uh, convey that message to anyone maybe thinking about doing, um, taking active part in an organization or something like that. Um, yeah, that's just how it is. That's, that's me, that's how I am. Um, now, I don't want you to talk more about this. Mm-hmm. So you can, at least do you have something to say or? Well, I don't think it's really controversial, like, at least how it seems to me, that you should really uh, go for some activities with your open heart, but not uh, with, you know, uh, trying to... I can also exemplify it. Mm? Um, I think a lot of people in their, um, what is called in Danish, uh, it's called Sabbat, which is a year you have in between high school and then uh, longer education, if you're doing that. Uh, I, it is a sort of, almost um, a like, sort of a trend. Like a gap year? A gap year. Mm-hmm. Um, it is almost a sort of a trend. It, maybe it is decreasing a bit now, uh, but it, it has been, uh, at least um, to a certain degree, a trend to go to um, work with... Amnesty International or something like that, mm-hmm. or Doctor Without Borders, or um, which is a Danish organization, um, or other organizations um, like that. And I, I don't want to criticize people for doing it, but I just want to say that to a certain degree, doing these things um, can become something you do not because you have values developed from mm. inside, but because there is an environment surrounding you which 
gives you an idea about taking active part or doing following the trend um, is the right thing to do if you want to do something voluntarily. Whereas I would actually say you should do something while you're studying, while you're in high school, while you're at university, because in that way you also just um, just by design you you will also have your friends know about what you're doing. Um, there's a lot of things that goes into this. It's not really about Eastern Europe. Um, yeah, it, we really got into uh, pol like political engagement. But the way the way that I would connect it in the end to Eastern Europe and to Ukraine, and and uh, is that the way in which we choose to um, spend our um, time, our time doing uh, activism in politics, also um, contributes to what. Putin and Xi, um, in the end, thinks about the West. Um, so if they sense that, this is what I believe, um, if they sense that in the West the people are um, decadent and are using their time on um, stuff which is, um, for example, not um, openly supporting um, values or paths that are um, um, criti uh, criti criti critical towards Russia, um, that will also influence the way that they are acting in the long run, I believe, um, at least. And, and I think that if you um, choose to be active um, voluntarily uh, in the way that I'm describing, um, you will maybe end up doing something um, which will pose a bigger threat to Russia than doing um, uh, like a gap year being active in Doctors, uh, doctors Without Borders will get you. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know this is um, pretty uh, far and this is very, um, how can you say, it's complicated and <laughs> it's very abstract. Um, but that's, that is just how I view the world and um, it's, uh, as I'm saying, it's going to be like that right. in these conversations, especially when I'm sitting here talking with you. Uh, Not being objective, we cannot be. <laughs> well, I think, objectively speaking, yeah. it is impossible to be objective. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, uh, let's move on now. Um, but all this is related to what we're going to talk about mm -hmm. because as I wrote to you, we will be talking about um, why the West, and when I say um, the, the West, um, it is meant as um, the free democratic world, uh, and this is talking about it on a global scale. Um, I only say the West because that is um, the concept for which, uh, which I can right now use to describe it in a way that people uh, will realize what I'm talking about. Um, we didn't really live up to our responsibilities. This is also what uh, Frederik from uh, the parliament said. Um, we were too naive, too passive, um, too stupid, um, too decadent, um, and so on towards Russia. And then I think we were um, dismissing actually 
of Ukraine, um, which is a consequence of the things that I was first talking about, about Russia. Um, and then also, and this, this is, goes back to the, the point about me speaking about Eastern Europe. Um, and uh, again, this, is, this has not really been a conversation about Eastern European history or Eastern European geography um, and stuff like that. It has more been about very political. Um, and it's been about political work in Denmark as well. You're also in Denmark, so that's natural. Um, but that is, I sort of forget where I was coming from. Sorry, we can cut uh, this out. We are trying to get to the main topic of the conversation, and <laughs> yeah, we we Fuck. lost a lot on the way. No, I don't know it up. We we went down from uh, a tender, and now yeah. it's like a fall, I guess. So welcome back. Daria and I talked about before the interview that we had to be uh, pretty concrete and not um, talk too much about other stuff than the ones we had the, than what we had planned. Um, I think it has been almost an hour now, and now we're getting to the to the main point. Um, but what we have talked about so far is also very closely linked to the main point, which is uh, the fact that. The West um, didn't fulfill its responsibilities and and didn't um, live up to um, what it could have done before the large-scale invasion in the face of uh, Russian aggression, Russian threats. Um, we were just talking here in the um, in the break about um, Western and uh, intelligence, intelligence uh, especially. Uh, British and American and I also wrote um, about the war in my bachelor thesis uh, last spring and one of my main points was that it was a very big mistake not to believe in the Ukrainians from the beginning because the fact that we didn't believe in the Ukrainians and if you want to you can just go back and find um, what U.S. and British intelligence, uh, German intelligence as well, um, said about what would happen in the beginning of the war, um, before the war. Um, you can just go back and find it. They said that Kiev would fall in three days. Obviously, that's not what happened. Um, basically, everything has gone in the opposite direction of what we thought um, would happen. When I say we, I don't mean me, because I actually didn't uh, think that Ukraine and Kiev would fall. Um, I also never thought that... Um, Zelensky would leave Ukraine. Uh, I actually remember having to convey to other people at the time that Zelensky was not going to leave because I thought that was essential for the way in which we thought about it. Um, and that, that that was a struggle at the time. Um, I believe in all... Um, I t I'm very humble. Uh, <laughs> I would like to say that I speak humbly about... Uh, Ukraine, I speak with uh, respect to the subject and so on. Um, but I believe I was actually um, able to um, convey some pretty important people um, in political youth organizations about what was um, at stake and that Zelensky wouldn't leave. And that actually made um, maybe my political youth organization change their perspective a little bit and go actively out there in the protest and uh, in the... Um, struggle force um, getting more weapons into Ukraine and so on. Um, and 
And that's what we, we, we have to talk about now, me and Daria, about why the West uh, was so wrong. Because I believe that accepting that we were so wrong, the recognition of being so wrong, um, must be the starting point from uh, where we go now. Um, understanding what we did wrong, understand why we didn't do things and so on. It's also the whole point about um, publishing these conversations. Um, or It's a big part of the point um, so that stuff like that doesn't happen in the future. But but can you talk a bit about, Daria, how it feels um, as a Ukrainian? I know you talked about before as well about keeping things very positive, um, which we have to do as well. Um, but how does it feel as a Ukrainian um, that the West uh, was so wrong about what was going to happen? And it was not just intelligence. It was also the people. How it feels... How it feels, yeah. Oh, well... In that matter, I need to go back to the, like um, the memories uh, of the beginning of the mm-hmm. full-scale invasion. Um, I didn't care actually that people been to telling that uh, Kiev would fall in three days. Uh, there was even a jokes, uh, even jokes uh, in at least Ukrainian part of the internet that. I, I, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you swear, you can swear all you want. Um, it's like the all over the news that uh, Russia is invaded and Ukrainians be like, fuck. Beep, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep on, you can, you can uh, sw- sw- and that swear was all the you first want. Day and the second fuck Putin, fuck yeah. uh, the yeah. Russian army, yeah. fuck all of these people driving <laughs> that development, yeah. Fuck all of them. I mean it. Yeah, oh, go on. Uh, I mean that, like all all over the news, uh, the Russia is invaded, and the first day Ukrainians be like fuck, and the second day, fuck Russia, because. Uh, uh, so it, first it, fuck and then fuck Russia. Yeah, I mean in the way of. I think I would have reacted the same way. It yeah. fact it happened, but then, uh, well, I guess Ukrainian society quickly realized, well, that's the time to mobilize. It snapped, uh, and then. Yeah and. Uh, it all started, and I've been looking at that news that oh, um, that some uh, international media and politicians uh, were saying that oh, uh, the Kiev is gonna fall in three days, and uh, we were like nah, um, week or two. <laughs> we were but much uh, more positive about it. We were like we're, week or two, it's gonna end. You said a week or two? Yeah, seriously. Oh, no, you it, thought you would win in a week or two? Not win. It's but just like yeah, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's all gonna yeah. end. They gonna, I love that. I love that. I mean, it's really naive and stupid, to be honest, looking back. No, 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 no. It's not naive and stupid. It's hopeful. And um, you can look at it that way. No, no, because, (laughs) no, no, no. Okay, I'm going to cut in now because uh, it's not like that. Uh, I've talked, we've talked about Timothy Snyder and he has a concept about truth, um, which I don't know if you've heard, Mm -hmm. but that nothing is really true, just um, like the way it is. But what you can say is true is something that you are pursuing. Mm-hmm. So if you think we are going to win this war quickly, that also means that you will be pursuing the truth where you win that war quickly. And I know maybe a bit naive to say, to say two weeks, uh, to say the least. I think that Anas Nielsen, the military expert, uh, he would uh, like flinch his face uh, if you heard this. But but it is just important to um, see for you a Ukrainian victory. Yeah. yeah, I mean, 
Well, at the beginning, it was really important this, uh, like, being hopeful and mm. being uh, uh, sure that uh, it's gonna end soon. And also, it's like played a evil joke with us yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in a way that ah, uh, actually, it didn't, and uh, a lot of people met um, disappointment. Uh, but that's what we needed at the beginning. We needed uh, to stay um, motivated, and then motivation was. I, I'm actually. I remember I'm writing f- to Ukrainians on Twitter. You're gonna win. You're gonna win the war. Yeah, Keep I'm fighting. I believe in you. Fuck the Russians. Uh, the army can't do shit. I was just writing to uh, like random Ukrainians that were, with like pretty famous people on Twitter, but like five thousand followers. Like I'm just right. Keep up the good work. Yeah, right spirit. now. Like, I was just so much on that mm-hmm. uh, wagon, like uh, getting the hope in there, right? Mm-hmm. Coming back to that memories, I feel like okay, you please but this don't. Was my memories, please, yeah. yeah, please don't correct me. Well, I feel really stupid coming back to those memories, especially knowing how much stuff happened uh, um, throughout sure, uh, more sure. than a year, and um, yeah, uh, especially considering um, feelings, so- thoughts, and motivations of people who are. Um, on the front line, our defenders, volunteers and stuff, how much they've done mm. and what motivations, what motivation drives mm. them. But at the beginning, as I can say about myself and some people who I know, uh, that we were so naive and hopeful. We're like, oh, no, mm. we're not going to fall in three days. We're going to win pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, and... Of course, it did not turn out that way, um, but, but that's also uh, it was necessary West. for some people, and from psychological part, uh, mm. um, you needed to, uh, like, people were sure that, n- no, if we are going to surrender, then there is going to be no Ukraine, and if Russians will, mm, leave, there will it, be no more. leave our ter- territory, there will be no more war. So if Ukraine stop fighting, yeah. there will be no Ukraine. If Russia stops fighting, there will be no war. Yeah. That's a very simple way to see it and that's a very true way to see it. And that's what you realized. Yeah, going back pre- to the memories. Pretty yeah. quick. Pretty quickly that's what like everybody understood. <laughs> yeah, we will cut this, we will cut this. I also I already cut it in the first conversation as well. We will cut this, we will cut this. Okay. No worries, no worries, I'm, no worries. I'm, I'm, I promise you, I promise you, all right? <laughs> You will hear the conversation before I post it anyways. Right, right, right. I mean, okay, where did we stop? We, um, you talked about um, the memories from the beginning about you, uh, if Ukraine stops, uh, finding there will be no Ukraine. Um, and then I um, tried to connect that to, um, try to link that to Ukrainians mm-hmm. also in the South and in the East, realizing that this was not a joke anymore. You had to actively... Uh, choose a side, the Ukrainian side, in in a, in a conflict slash struggle that a war. Well, it was never a joke. What sorry? You said that they realized it was not a joke. It no, was yeah, never of course. For them. Okay, so let let me say it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't, and I uh, sorry about that. Um, and I, I really think I should have been, but I wasn't paying attention to the war. In Ukraine from yeah. 2014 up until 2022, um, and maybe that was because 
that I just wasn't uh, thinking about it. I wasn't. Um, I hadn't politically really uh, invested myself in the the fight for Ukrainian freedom. And my point is just that all these people uh, who voted for Yanukovych in the past mm-hmm. um, have also changed their opinions. Um, yeah. Directly linked with the development in the war between uh, Ukraine and Russia, which I believe you can say started with the maiden revolutions. Yeah. And that realization just when when we are we are thinking about your memories. Well, drawing the line, mm-hmm. uh, speaking about uh, my memories uh, regarding uh, the fact that. Um, uh, the general discourse internationally was that Kyiv will fall in three days, is that I just did not pay attention to that and I was really much into Ukrainian context Except and that, a lot yeah, of Ukrainians um, being holding to uh, the fact that it doesn't matter what they say, um, in that way you better stop talking about that and start talking about giving us weapons mm. because we are ready to fight mm-hmm. and um, we are not gonna fall with the with the international support and if people would continue talking about Ukraine surrendering um, then it uh, led us to whole other circumstances mm. Yeah, and and also, I think that the reason why I think it's important, um, like the the realization, um, is that, and I also speak about it as someone who wrote about it when I was eighteen years old, um, someone who has been politically active uh, all my youth, and as someone who also wrote a bachelor thesis about the the subject, so. Just, just keep that in mind that when I say this realization um, was very important, um, it, it goes without saying that I, that I of course, um, maybe realized that um, a bit earlier, um, just by the sign of um, what I'm interested in and what I've um, chosen to spend my time on. Um, but it's just um, interesting to me that you say that this realization I came again after the large-scale um, mm-hmm. invasion because what I think, and you're also a bit younger, uh, of course, um, but what I think is that during the Maidan Revolution, that's where the initial uh, initial um, deep collective realization in Ukraine happened. Mm-hmm. And then you, you are almost saying that that kind of re-realized it in some way. Is, is, is that a... When the large-scale invasion happened, is that...? Um, I wouldn't say that it came as a realization. It's just something I knew. It's just, uh, mm-hmm. as we've been talking uh, of the microphone, uh, that uh, we had a networking with my organization um, right like a month before the full-scale invasion. And of course, it's been all over the news and we've been discussing uh, whether or not uh, this is going to happen our thoughts on that point and um, well also we've been discussing if that's gonna happen what we're gonna do and there was no um, 
oh, like, uh, we're gonna surrender or something mm. like that. Of course not. Uh, it was like, oh, well, if it's gonna happen, we're gonna go to territorial defense. That's mm. what I heard from people from my party. Mm. Some people said that they're gonna save their families, but um, uh, the main point is that there mm. was not even a question if we're gonna, uh, like, if the Kiev is gonna fall in three days, that famous phrase, there was not even uh, uh, a, a part of discourse. No. Uh, well, if it. it's gonna start, we're gonna fight. Ah, uh, so it's basically that because. Oh, not basically because that is uh, neglecting the magnitude of uh, what we're talking about, but there were already a realization yeah. in Ukraine. Um, which, as I said, um, maybe was initiated. Mm -hmm. It maybe it goes back all the way to um, well, of course it goes all the way back in history. Um, yeah. But if we talk about um, this, the war, the realization, uh, the collective realization started in with the Maidan uh, revolution. Yeah, if we I mean, if some people, so are, of course, had it already before, but collectively. Yeah, uh, uh, I think. Uh, that was the part of it and also um, not going too much far away uh, i think ukrainian government uh, prepared the society pretty much there was uh, a lot of talks about it and um, mm. uh, about defending and and also i just so th this realization that already happened back at maidan yeah it was also important mm -hmm. i guess then for the response that Ukraine as a nation and Ukrainians as a people yeah. did, right? Or can you elaborate a bit on that? Because I also write about that in my bachelor thesis, actually how the, how the, um, the, how the war for freedom now, the self-defense war for freedom now um, can be linked to the people um, violently fighting for democracy during the Maidan revolution. I think it also... Mm. It is a bit psychological yeah, we, we, we and can, stuff, but that is how the world works again, right? Yeah, we can. You have to understand that, these things. We can connect it to uh, the um, beginning of the war in twenty fourteen, but also it seems to me uh, that um, the one of the major aspects of the resistance is the fact that. Uh, a big part of society <coughs> are the people who've been born and raised in independent mm. Ukraine. Uh, <coughs> like Ukrainian independence has been declared uh, in 1991, and uh, in modern understanding of uh, independent state, um, Ukraine is pretty young, but already a big part of society been growing up, understanding that we live in independent country. Uh, with sovereignty and its borders, so and uh, with freedom and yeah, with human and, rights, and like so, and not of course, under Russian influence. You can also translate exactly, it and it's been uh, developing and going through years. And uh, yes, as you were saying, uh, with the Maidan revolution and uh, beginning of war in twenty fourteen, um, it affected people's mind that we are. Um, that's one of our main responsibilities to defend 
our country. Mm. Mm, addressing the question uh, about why yeah. um, we, we didn't realize why, yeah, we, why, why we were so wrong yeah why uh, didn't because the world we were, itself most we of were, the countries we were in, uh, so wrong it, it's just staring to me how how wrong we were it's uh, how stupid we were I think it deeply it, it's deeply rooted uh, to uh, the way uh, the world and um, Europe in particular viewed Ukraine uh, because there was no clear understanding that we are actually um, you know you know what I think should have happened I think that all the leaders they should have just uh, taken the movie night and watched winter on fire mm. then then they then they would have at least then at least um, they would have been presented mm-hmm. with content um, on Christian Nibbly, um making it clear what kind of society Ukraine is, and it's, it's just so crazy to me, like how little we understood. Um. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. about the, the why we got it so wrong, right? And you were talking about demonstration, and yeah, you were talking was, a bit about how how these things, yeah. Because the world didn't view Ukraine as an independent state, like a lot of modern politicians. Uh, still, maybe pursued it as a. And there's idiots like John Mearsheimer, for example. Yeah. To anybody, I sorry, 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 yeah, but on. I have to, I have to fucking say this. Now we, you, you said, can I swear? Uh, can yeah. I swear? And I wasn't even thinking about it, but you got me. You ignited it. I will speak. I will take a breath and say what I think about John Mearsheimer. I think John Mearsheimer is a seventh idiot. What does that mean? That means that he is a person who knows a lot, but is still an idiot. Um, because yeah, he knows a lot, but he doesn't know anything about the real world. He's trapped in a dogmatic view um, of how geopolitics works. And now he is um, basically just a researcher um, who is spreading Russian misinformation and Chinese misinformation now why do i say that well because he was at the cctv which is china communist party tv ask yourself if someone appears on that channel ask yourself is he uh, reliable is he uh, valuable or is he maybe just doing it because he wants to have the clicks or the views and the money i know people who think john mearsheimer is a genius he's not a genius he's a seventh idiot you will talk sorry <laughs> You were talking about. Um, do you remember where you came from? Uh, <laughs> do you, you? Yeah, I was talking about. Um, you were talking about the development. Why we? Why we were so wrong and uh, not viewing Ukraine as an uh, independent country and so on. Yeah. So my main point is that uh, it's deeply rooted to the fact. Exactly. That, yeah. Uh, and, and that's because of people like Mesham. I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. That's what. <laughs> yeah. That, that's why. That's why I, I. I had to. I had to say this. It's because of people like him. Yeah. And keep on. Uh. Go on. Yeah. I'll be honest. I'm losing my train of thought. Pretty. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Yeah. Silly. You were talking about uh, Europeans not viewing Ukraine as an independent country. Yeah. And so on. Uh. Yeah. It's because of uh, not being engaged and uh, understanding that the actual war was started in 2014 and uh, undermining uh, the fact that um, Russia already uh, occupied um, 
Crimea. our territories. Uh, Crimea. Temporarily uh, occupied. Yeah, exactly. And parts of uh, Donetsk regions. And uh, I'm saying undermining that fact is that everybody understood that, uh, but thought that it was normal. Mm. And then, yes, there have been some sanctions, but was it a strong answer from... Um, um, Embarrassing. Democratic? Embarrassing sanctions. It's... Go on. It was not the strong answer from the Democratic And Nord Stream world. 2 followed. Like, yeah, go on. So, uh, yeah. The Dr- sanctions, not that strong. Yeah, drawing the line. Uh, what I'm trying to say uh, is that Ukraine has not been viewed mm. as a independent from Russia mm. um, country. Mm. Uh, with a pro-European um, focus mm. and actually able to function without mm. Russia, mm. unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that was just wrong because of not understanding the post-colonial uh, countries' context. Yeah, as we were also talking about the last time. Um and we we um the, the main subject today is of course um the west not living up to its responsibility and we talk a lot about Medan and we talk a lot about um ukraine not being understood and we are talking about these things um because let's say that they're in the academic community in my field mm-hmm. um where there is a lot of seven idiots um Let's say that we had been, uh, it, it, it is just like that. Uh, I, I think it is like that. And I think you have to call people out because that is the only way in which you can change the attitude in a long term uh, is by calling people out. Um, but there, there weren't a focus on Eastern Europe. There weren't a focus on Ukraine. Like we were, of course, covering it. Back in 2008, I, I was too young back then to really um, know what it meant. Um, but it, wa- it wasn't something that was like big in my youth. It was like, oh, Russia uh, invaded and temporarily occupied um, parts of Georgia. It wasn't something that, that was like big. Um, like if someone is 12 years old today, uh, as I was back then, 11 or 12 years old, um, the, the war in Ukraine right now will uh, manifest um, will manifest way stronger in their um, conscience also when they grow older which is very important and something we have to thank the Ukrainians for um, because what otherwise would have happened I don't even want to get into that ballpark um, but yeah we, we, we didn't have this focus on Maidan we didn't have this focus on Georgia, and maybe it goes even all the way back to not focusing on what happened in Moldova in Transnistria in 1992. And there, there just wasn't that many academics, uh, researchers uh, covering these things. And also, if you, if you study, because uh, I was talking to this guy, and maybe you know him, uh, Simon, uh, Simon Dalsko. Not sure. Um, Simon, um, and he's studying Eastern European studies in Denmark. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Lo and behold, you can only study Baltic um, history. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a history student. You can study Russian, of course. 
So many people have studied Russian. Um, and I'm sick of hearing uh, what they're saying if they don't have the right ideas. Um, and then you could also study uh, Western Serbo-Croatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, to me, it was just like such a great example. So you cannot even study Ukraine, Belarus, Georgia, and that uh, all these countries. Yeah. And, and it is, it's just so wrong because these countries are the most uh, contested zone in the global struggle between democracy and autocracy. Um, so, so why are we not? Uh, why do we not? Don't have our focus there. Um, that's um, that, that's why we don't understand Ukraine, Belarus, Georgia. I would even say Armenia and Kazakhstan as well. But mm-hmm. I, I can I can talk to people from there uh, maybe uh, at some point. But but then what happens? Um, but and and so there is an imbalance. Um, because it is such a contested area and yet we're not focusing on it. And I believe that the reason f- for not um, having our focus on that subject is that we were too naive um, with regards to the broader struggle between autocracies mm-hmm. and democracies. And we were too naive because it was convenient um, to say, oh, now it's all diplomatic. It was convenient to um, keep... Um, the story of Fukuyama um, about um, history ending. It was um, convenient for us to keep that um, story in our conscious because that neglected us from having a responsibility <coughs> to Sorry. keep participating in the struggle between autocracy and democracy because after all, uh, if history is ending, then why do we want to be militarily engaged in Ukraine, for example? Um, democracy is going to get there uh, by itself or something like that. Uh, that was also the sense about what was going to happen in Russia and China. Um, yeah, sorry, yeah, go on. I, I just uh, wanted to add to uh, like keeping discourse on uh, why um, there was not a decent reaction mm-hmm. um, to uh, the uh, beginning of the war yeah. in 2014 and at the beginning of full-scale invasion is also because of the huge impact of Russian propaganda and because of viewing, like, tolerating Russia mm. as a, um, a valid yeah. uh, subject of international relations because it's not. It's been terrorizing yeah. a lot of peoples and countries. Um, Messing with the American addiction. Uh, yeah, throw, like, in all over the world and uh, in every country next to Russia's border, at least. Uh, and because of the fact that the world have been viewing Russia as a um, valid subject of international relations, yeah, mm, Nord Stream two, right? Uh, Oil, gas. People wanted to like. No, I mean, when I'm saying people, I mean Germany. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like. Wandel durch Handel, fucking idiotic phrase. Uh, yeah, keep. Yeah, like people. It's being... a very aggressive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, keep on, keep on. <laughs> you were talking about uh, not viewing Russia. Uh, you were talking about viewing Russia as like a, a legitimate mm-hmm. uh, political entity nation. Yeah, because it's not and been terrorizing um, and been doing it throughout so many years, and you cannot even count um, precisely uh, the number of uh, war crimes that Russia committed. Uh, so people been viewing it uh, as a 
Well, it, well it, let's say game player on the field of. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but that uh, can I can I just yeah. uh, quickly say because the reason why I call out John mm-hmm. Mearsheimer and call him an idiot is mm-hmm. because um, he is someone with a high academic credibility mm-hmm. in a lot of people's eyes. He's someone you learn. He's someone that I learned his theories and so on. And um, when he then says. Oh, this is just a natural uh, interest fear for Russia in a broader geopolitical um, environment. And this was something that Danish politicians on the left also said. I'm not going to name him, but he knows who he is. And my listeners know who of whom I'm speaking about. But he did a tweet saying, oh, but the, um, I, I, it's great to have you here, you here because mm. then you as a Ukrainian can speak to this. He did a tweet, I think it was 13th of January, uh, January mm-hmm. 2022, saying that, oh, but if we support Ukraine, then what we can uh, look into in the future is some sort of um, civil war between the east and U- of Ukraine and the rest of Ukraine. And he said, fuck it, stupid. But that was, that was literally what he said. Um, and, and then he afterwards, because he, all, of course, got criticized for saying that, and then he reasoned it by saying... Oh, it was just a uh, uh, realistic geopolitical uh, thinking I was uh, writing about. I was like, no, it was not. It was a fucking idiotic proposition stating something mm-hmm. which can lead to other people also thinking that way. And that's because of idiots like John Mearsheimer, that people can say these things and then afterwards say, oh, but it's just it's just realistic polit- view of the world. And she's like, no, it's not. Yeah, keep on. You yeah. were talking about this. Yeah, not under again this seeing Russia as a valid player, right? Yeah. And that's why I'm saying this. And, and because uh, like that's why I hate Russia. Yeah, <laughs> we part of this uh, yeah, podcast yeah. is also why I hate Myanmar. Yeah, that could be uh, the title. Uh, um, yeah, because people exactly, viewed yeah. it as a um, um, a nation, basically. Almost, yeah. Like, like not not a nation like Denmark or Germany, mm-hmm. but someone you could do business with, right? Yeah, exactly. Someone you could someone do you could supposedly rely yeah, upon. You cannot rely upon, and you cannot line. like. And people wanted to re- put respect on Russia's name and like on Putin's name, stupid. and uh, basically making their actions validated. Uh, while actually, since twenty fourteen and even earlier. It's not like people have not been talking about it. Of course, it's not the it's haven't been a major discourse about it, uh, but people been talking about it. But they were silenced, and mm. I have a concrete example of that. Oh For yeah, example, yeah. nice. Um, I was uh, on the Congress of um, Swedish Liberal Youth Organization, and uh, there um, was a journalist, Gudrun Persson. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it correctly. Can I see? I can uh, maybe. Uh... Gudrun Persson. Gudrun Persson. Maybe it is yeah. how it's on It's Gudrun Persson. It's something like that. All right. So she uh, is a journalist um, and was awarded on that uh, General Assembly. Um, I already hate her. For. Uh, no. Wait, wait. Oh, she's a good journalist. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I'll cut this. I'll cut this. <laughs> Keep on. Yeah, she was award winning. So. Gudrun Persson, uh, she was awarded uh, on this um, General Assembly for research and public education on the threat from Russia. She was. I love her. Yeah. I love her. 
<laughs> she was doing it since 20, uh, 2008. Nice. Uh, and I love the thing is, and also it shows how uh, we recognize in, uh, those people's um, work only now when we see the consequences in its major um, scale. Uh, but throughout those years, she tried to publi publish uh, newspapers, um, in, in, in newspapers, mm -hmm. her material on the threat from okay. Russia. Uh, and so the, yeah, but just to um, so that my listeners will also understand it, mm -hmm. uh, or the listeners, not it's not my listeners, it is listeners. Mm -hmm. That's how I want to view it. Um, what I'm doing, for example, mm -hmm. uh, is. It's kind of like what she was, she's of course award-winning journalist and all mm -hmm. this stuff, but it is basically providing information that will enable us to take better political decisions mm -hmm. in order to have a more free and peaceful democratic world. Yeah. That's, that's what it was, an honest person doing, yeah, keep on. So my she example was, there, was yeah, that uh, was, uh, uh, the person who had been talking about it actually mm -hmm. for this whole time, but because of the uh, high influence of Russian uh, propaganda uh, in it's every right. country, um, like uh, and viewing Russia as a Sweden is also like a no. Uh... Mm? Excuse me. Yeah. Okay, about Sweden. No, I'm sorry. 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 Yeah, keep on, keep on. You have to. So... Sometimes you also just have to keep talking. If I, yeah, if I, if I, I just I have to interrupt you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you really have to interrupt. <laughs> All right. Uh, so. What I was trying to say, that this is a concrete example of a person who'd been working throughout all these years, but her work was not being heard, and newspapers have been actually refusing to publish her article about Russia's aggress uh, aggressive policy and plans, because they had plans back then, um, uh, because of its controversiality. Because who shut it down? Does it say anything about uh, who took I the decision? I don't have to? it in my notes actually, but um, like the concrete uh, newspaper in Sweden, for example, just shut that down <laughs> because society like uh, we need uh, to call out that newspaper. Yeah, well, I think it has been called out already. Yeah, but well, we need to call it out here as well. It's being recognized now, but throughout all these years when uh, the concrete person was doing research work and actually had an article about the uh, very real issues, um, society had been just ignoring it and uh, they were just refusing to post it because it's too controversial while uh, she had facts and um, really important information to provide. And now uh, it's re reaping consequences from its own indecision. Mm. Yeah, um, and that that is um, that is just another good example of how wrong we were, um, and how how can you say it? How far away we were from approaching this with the correct um, way of thinking. I would say. Um, that a person like her, an honest person, uh, I would even say uh, a freedom fighter uh, in her own right, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like a journalist uh, reporting on something that is um, that the mainstream media is trying to um, cancel or at least keep down, but but that she kept pursuing it 
Um, in a time where that was happening is also something we have to respect because it is not easy um, to stand out like that and um, to, to just like do that by example. Do you have uh, do you have any other um, like? Uh, examples well, that, that of was, uh, okay because I can I can mention um, because now like also when we were we mentioned a lot of places you could donate I just want to mention a few people here mm-hmm. um, yeah so I think that uh, like Timothy Snyder is a very good example uh, of this he has been on this at least since he was well he was in Ukraine in 1992 he's a Ukrainian Ukra- <laughs> he's Ukraine historian, I believe it's, um, you can say it like that. Uh, and he's been talking about it so much. Also, in like environment where mm-hmm. um, the mainstream media didn't really want to promote his um, agenda. Very Russian critic, of course. Um, and I, there is also, for example, um, in Denmark, there is a union... I always struggle. Association. We mm-hmm. talked about this last time. What it was called. Um, China Critic Association. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I believe it's it's kind of the same with China and Russia. Mm-hmm. It's the same mechanism. Um, and maybe, maybe we are actually talking a bit more about China. But I also think uh, that association is someone I will give a shout out to. For the work that they're doing in an environment which may not promote their uh, work specifically. Um, I also believe that there are politicians on the right, especially. Um, in, in Denmark, it is like this: you are you are either red or blue. Um, and mm-hmm. generally, um, the blue politicians, which is the Borgerlige, um and the conservatives, <coughs> they get this more right. And I want to give a shout out to Rasmus Jarlow for um, the Conservative uh, Party. It's not necessarily that he speaks about it all the time, but whenever he said something to the subject, um, he was on the right path about Ukraine and about Russia. Um, and there are so many other examples. Um, maybe I will list some in the outro that I will be uh, be doing. Yeah, but but that is just that's again to the point, right? About not fulfilling our responsibility that we created an environment mm-hmm. in which a journalist like her wasn't able. <laughs> Mm-hmm. to tell her stories to the public so that they would know what to be aware of concerning Russian issues. Yeah, and looking back to all that we've discussed... We just discussed, have to realize these things. We have to recognize these things. Yeah, and looking back to all we discussed, as you said, we need to recognize these things. And right now, we don't have... Uh, we have no right uh, to uh, ignore that kind of stuff, either it's from Russia or China. Uh, and... Not try to live well. in this, uh, yeah, and trying to live in that uh, illusion of uh, world peace. Uh, yeah. We uh, have to look at the fact that people are actually providing, and um, be more way, predictable, yeah. and be more predictable, even in the way something that you think is not really possible. Oh hell, it is. Mm, yeah. Um. I agree so much. Hell, it, it, it is possible. We have to like uh, be ready uh, for all yeah, exactly. different kinds of, especially um, looking back at the history. It's not something that just came up 
uh, recently. No, it was it, not something that came out of the blue air. Yeah. It was not an UFO growing out of the sky. And yeah. that's, it's, it's like sometimes it's like, uh, I see it this way, that the Ukrainian will to self-defense mm-hmm. is something that has surprised us a lot because in our deep conscious, we know that we would have never <laughs> been close to um, doing that sacrifice or at least not. Well, so, it is uh, controversial. But okay, so, but, but, but look at it this way. Uh, let's say that uh, the USSR was still the USSR. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very, very uh, difficult um, thing to set up right now. All right, let's just say Germany got invaded um, by Russia. They were coming in from the German coast. Um, I believe that the Germans would be surprised themselves about how willing they would actually be mm-hmm. to fight against Russia if that was the case. And I think that their problem kind of is that they don't really imagining, they don't really imagine themselves uh, themselves as someone, uh, as a country that is living in a world with autocracies, uh, in a world where you have to fight for freedom. And also, um, and th- therefore they have kind of um, dwindled them, them, uh, themselves into um, an understanding where fighting for freedom and sacrificing your life for freedom is not something that you would think could happen. And again, this is another thing that uh, Timothy Snyder also said. And mm-hmm. So I'm using a lot of his, um, and you should, uh, everybody should look him up. Um, so I'm using a lot of his ideas and he said that this thing about us being so surprised about Zelensky staying mm-hmm. is like a good uh, example of that because that is just something that a lot of Western leaders probably wouldn't have done in the same situation and therefore um, for us it is sort of a realization as well that the Ukrainians have, have provided us with about what is freedom, what is democracy, and what does it mean to actually fight for it, which uh, we uh, had forgot after the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Uh, I 100% believe this. And I also think that's why we were so surprised. And that, and yeah, what do you think about um, this thing about Ukrainians being more, um, how can you say it, in sync with the understanding of sacrifice as being a part of the struggle for freedom, which is something I just don't think really is, I don't think we have it right now. I think we are in a positive uh, spiral Mm -hmm. because Ukraine has showed us all these things and that Ukraine is um, providing us with these feelings uh, just by the example they are setting. But we didn't have it before and we, we still don't really have it, I think. Uh, I think it's um, strongly connected to uh, centuries of our history, because it's not something as you said. Denmark never fight for freedom. I yeah. mean, uh, no, that's not uh, what I was referring to. But that's nothing that <laughs> Sorry, uh, not yeah. something that came up uh, came out of the blue. Uh, that's something that have been always there, mm-hmm. and maybe uh, some people would not realize that. But if you look at the history of Ukraine, um, Russian Empire, 
Uh, and I'm not going no, 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 too yeah, far. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. not even going too far. <laughs> like, let's start Russian Empire. And we've been under yeah. a, like a huge territory of Ukraine being um, under Russian Empire. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Soviet Union, uh, so-called Union, while uh, there was like mm, a lot of colonies mm-hmm. um, that was unwilling, unwilling actually to be there. Uh, and then uh, still... Uh, Russia affecting uh, Ukrainian society and uh, the, th- the thing is we've been fighting for our existence mm. for a long time for a long time and, and your existence has actually been under threat yeah and when you're in, like a neighboring country to Russia and that, that's you, why that's why the Poles and the Baltic countries yeah, always got this more right that's why they understand that because they are close to Russia well speaking about so Poland uh, so I mean yes Poland is one of our I biggest allies I understood this immediately after watching Winter on Fire yeah. it's so simple well, <laughs> the closer you to Russia, the better you understand that. So, I don't know, my suggestion to people, just imagine that you were close to Russia. And you don't even have to imagine, it's not so Imagine far away. that you have a uh, violent, abusive ex-boyfriend. <laughs> Something like it's a, Because I've, I've, I've actually heard that, uh, like that uh, analogy a few yeah. times. What do you think about it? Actually, I heard it as well, but I don't know where. <laughs> but uh, anyway. I don't, because maybe I actually don't really, I don't really like it. A violent abusive boyfriend? Uh, Ex-boyfriend. I mean, ex-boyfriend. Russia. Well, because they they were never in a committed relationship. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you can put it that way. Uh, well, uh, we were... I think it comes, uh, from, it comes from this guy. It comes from Johnny Harris, who works for the New York Times, who said this in a YouTube video. And I think that a lot of people, especially on the left, they are following what he is saying. Uh, and that's where it started. I, this is just theory. Uh, because yeah. that was the first place that I heard it. And back then I was a bit, um, I was premature in my thinking towards these things because that was in the uh, beginning of February, as I said. So that was mm. one of the first things I saw. And then I just maybe took up that saying. And it's too simple. Yeah. It's too simple. It doesn't provide you with the actual understanding. And Johnny Harris is on the left. And I think that's why he got, comes to it. Oh, it may be wrong. a joke. But no, and when, I, when, I say, and when I say left, I mean like pretty... Um, far left in, uh, in the United that. States and they are completely stupid ab- uh, about <laughs> this as well that's just that's just how it is like um, romanticizing communism not, not romanticizing communism but do you know Victoria Olesko it, uh, something like that from the Democratic Party of the United States no <sighs> what is her name yeah, I believe she's called Victoria Velasquez I don't want to look her up because I don't want anybody to hear anything she's ever said basically um, but she's uh, sort of like a hero um, if you are like a very progressive um, on the left mm-hmm. and wants to be one of the cool kids at uh, University of California uh, or some other place like you know like that uh, okay. which is like uh, she I, I'm also talking about this from um, like we are kind of speaking it's two different worlds mm-hmm. you have the Eastern European mm-hmm. and the Ukrainian and I maybe I see it from also the like the broader Western. It's it's not that you cannot also do that because of course, and I can of course also, but I just think mm-hmm. our positions where we're coming from. And so I tend to focus more on this stuff as well. Um, but yeah, she is a a category of politicians on the far left, 
um, basically flinching when talking about weapons to Ukraine um, and uh, prolonged and uh, more weapon support because I think that the people that she wants to have voting for her mm-hmm. doesn't like to hear about oh weapons is uh, war stuff like that you know mm-hmm. um, I just it's important to call these call out these people uh, and we were we were talking about um, before I mentioned her um, do you remember before why why did I mention uh, Victoria Bella, uh, uh, about leftist reaction exactly, to the, yeah. uh, this joke. Uh, about uh, Russia being uh, kind of exactly yeah exactly yeah and, and, and it's just um, because the way that they then talk about it is in a way where you get mm-hmm. the right things set mm-hmm. in the context of wanting to be understood as a good person mm-hmm. um, but they are still not saying what is like the real truth and what really needs to be said and what needs to be done if you want to um, support Ukraine uh, to liberate its country because everybody can say I support Ukraine mm-hmm. it, it's a very empty uh, um, I think we covered pretty much yeah and we, uh, we should uh, uh, wrap up mm, yeah so um, because I was um, saying something in the beginning about this uh, topic and it was the, the fact that we don't know enough about Eastern Europe and um, that's why we were so wrong about Ukraine um, not viewing Ukraine as a independent country, country uh, independent from Russia first of all and second of all well maybe not the second of all the last but not the least as it's uh, uh, as it says um, about because of uh, huge influence of Russian propaganda and not not only uh, not viewing Ukraine as an independent um, mm-hmm. from Russia country, but also viewing Russia as a um, legal, legitimate, uh, legitimate political uh, entity, political, yeah. uh, someone you can trade with, yeah, shit le- like that. legitimate subject of international relations uh, who you can do business with. Mm. And uh, we have to now stick to the point that. There is. We have to keep following the spiral we are on right now. Yeah, exactly. We, we uh, cannot view Russia yeah. as. To that uh, point, it is fundamental yeah, to support as a subject Ukraine, yeah. which you can um, have deal with, business, business with, uh, and trying to respect it and keep it. Russia uh, is the friend you cut off. Yeah, keep it free because it's not free and it's never is. While it's called, well, no, while it is Russia, as you see it in its borders right now. Mm. Yeah. And I would actually say that... And, and I want to point out that that's not because of imperial uh, ambitions of Ukraine. Uh, you don't have imperial ambitions? I don't, I don't really think so. Um, it's Me and my because, friend was actually yeah. having a joke about what if this just end by Zelensky's uh, no, no. Yeah, we, That's all jokes. That is other, all jokes. Uh, we we want to liberate only our... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and... Um, it's because of all peoples and countries who are actually in so-called Russian Federation mm. um, that are actually not a part of it. Mm. Yeah, and, and so important. Not, uh, it's so important uh, that you it, say it, all these they, things. They, they are a part of it, but 
they need to be decolonized. Yeah, they need to be decolonized. Does this mean that... Um, we, we, we cannot view them as a separate states right now, of course, but... Uh, does this mean that uh, sorry. Chechnya needs to be decolonized as well? Or uh, is it the free independent countries we know yeah, of today that need to be... Of, uh, yeah, so I and I just want to... Um, and it is so important that you're saying all these things. And I think it, um, it has a point itself that um, it is a Ukrainian um, speaking uh, about all these things because you also have the personal experience, first of all, um, of living in a neighbor state to mm-hmm. Russia. Um, and then also um, your nation, Ukraine, has the um, collective uh, memory of what living to Russia and uh, next to Russia uh, is like in Ukraine, especially actually, right? Like I think Ukraine, especially as a neighboring country mm-hmm. of Russia knows about what suppression means. Um, once again, go look that up, Holodomor, for example. Um, yeah. and, and but, but my point, which I also think is very important, is the why to our um, inability to know about Ukraine. Like, why didn't we know that? Which I believe is, and this is not to be negative uh, in any case, but this is just to um, recognize our own shortcomings. Um, I believe that we just weren't uh, strong enough in our own values uh, about freedom, about democracy. I believe that we were in what you in Danish call a Tonerosa zone, um, which is when you fell, fall into a deep sleep uh, for a lot of years and don't mm-hmm. wake up from it. And I believe we were in that uh, sleep for a long time concerning Russia, concerning authoritarian threats around the world. And when I say that, I mean mainly Russia and China. Um, but they also engage in regimes around the world um, in a way that, that we just don't do. Um, and they are way more effective uh, at the concrete, um, active, uh, violent participation in other countries. And I just think all that is possible also because we are not creating an environment um, in our part of the world which strongly attacks and criticizes these things. And once again, this is by no means to... Um, say any, any, anybody's doing something wrong. But, but when we, for example, have Corona for two years, we have men in black in Denmark, we have all sorts of crazy conspiracy groups uh, around Western countries demonstrating against Corona shit. And when they see that in China and in Russia, um, I believe that they then think, all right, they are not occupied with defending their own values, this leaves a room for us to go in and do something. And also what it also does is that it is actually um, decreasing the likeliness of demonstrations in Georgia, Belarus, and so on, because when they don't feel that we care about our values, um, and I just want to say to you here, because it's going to sound a little bit when I say this, Mm -hmm. um, like that the demonstrations in Ukraine, for example, 
uh, is it depend like the maiden revolution for example is going to sound a little bit like that was dependent upon Europe being strong mm-hmm. um, in our values and and that's not what I'm saying mm-hmm. but when we are strong in our values like we were in the end of the night uh, 1980s um, and during the 80s it also creates uh, I believe a feeling uh, among people aspiring to become democratic that the people who are in the democratic part of the world really um, nurture their values and fight for their values and believe in their values and this then creates a sense in some of these contested areas that there is really something to aspire to. There is a free democratic Europe we can become a part of. Um, and and I'm, I'm sorry, but this is very long, but it's very uh, complex as well. And, and when we are focusing on demonstrating against our government, men in black in Denmark, um, the Yellow West in uh, France, uh, huge Black Lives Matter demonstrations in USA and so on. Um, it's not that these things are not good and I sincerely believe that the people um, taking part in these things um, gets a value from it, but having so much focus uh, on these things and letting these things uh, be such a big part of our public debate. Um, also, um, creates a situation where other subjects maybe not um, take the same position in our minds and in our conscious and um, in our uh, day-to-day lives. It's, it's, we're not talking about Russia. We're talking about Black Lives Matter. We're not talking about Russia. We're talking about Corona restrictions. We're not talking about Russia. We're talking about climate change. We're not talking about Russia. We're talking uh, about some other thing. And, mm. and and when that happens, that leaves room for Russia mm-hmm. and for China. Because then they think, what the fuck is the West doing? Why why are they uh, on such a journey to like self-dissolute? Uh, yeah. And... Well, again, it's can you say something now, please? <laughs> I think you actually drawed a good line, maybe a long line, but... Uh, yeah, this was yeah. more diplomatic as well yeah. than some of the others. Sure. Mm. Uh, and uh, in general, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, the Europe has to remain uh, strong in its values. And also, I think it's important for us to um, stay united Europe. Because you said mm. that earlier, uh, that uh, we kind of from different worlds, yes, of course, the context mm. of uh, East... That is just of, down, but that is just down Europe to history. And um, West uh, to Europe, it but is d- different context. Like yeah. But right now, what we need is United Europe and understanding that the war is not somewhere over there uh, in Ukraine going on. It's Russian again, uh, aggression against uh, all democratic... Mm. Uh, world and its values mm. and um, of course it has been said plenty of times mm. uh, but I feel like it needs to be said again we need to understand that it's not somewhere over there you can repeat it's, it as many times yeah as you want it's uh, it's happening right now in the Europe and what is happening right now <laughs> Uh, Sorry. 
uh, I'm just saying that uh, Russian again, yeah, yeah, aggression yeah. and the war is happening right now. It's yeah. happening right now in Europe, not just in Ukraine. Yes, in Ukraine. Sure, yes, yeah, Ukraine but it is, is Europe. Is, Ukraine yeah. is Europe. Yeah, Europe is Ukraine. And Ukraine is now being like right now on on the front line and, and we being care a about great our border. Values. Yeah. It is fundamental to yeah. support Ukraine. And it's been a great uh, border for all the Europe. And if Ukraine falls, then the next is Romania, Poland, yeah. and so on. Yeah, but luckily, luckily, of course, Ukraine is never going to fall because they have this will to self-defend. And uh, I think I think we should um, like say this was it. Um, what I will come with one last message. Um, you can do it as well if you want to. Actually, I thought that it wasn't. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not done. Because I decided, I'm sorry, you tried, uh, I tried to, but I've decided to, uh, in the end of every podcast, I'm mm-hmm. going to uh, send a message. Um, and the, I did one with the Danish military expert, okay. which was about bringing in professional, no, bringing ethics, uh, morals, and values um, uh, into your work. Um because I think like you cannot just leave them uh, at home <laughs> and it's not that you should walk into <laughs> your uh, sales office with a Ukrainian flag necessarily, but mm-hmm. why did we end up doing so many, so much trade with Russia? Maybe because we didn't take our professional et- uh, like ethics into our work. Um, like why were so many people doing business in Russia? Why did we open up uh, London, New York and so on for Russian taxpayers? So that was the message. Uh, last time um, it's in Danish so you cannot hear it sorry uh, <laughs> but um, this time uh, it will be about political participation uh, and I've already talked about that of course but since I'm with um, you I want that to be the theme of the message today and it is just to everyone out there who has a opinion who believes something is right and that something is wrong and if you have these feelings um, and you are coming to sense with your political alignment um, doesn't matter of your age I would just recommend you to find out where can I become a member of the political party where can I become a member of a political youth organization and uh, who am I to contact to come to my first meeting. Um, if you hear this and you think Desu, uh, the Social Democratic Youth of Denmark, uh, I want to be active there, then write to me. Um, I will help you um, get in contact with the right people. Um, basically, just if you want to be politically active, write to me. Um, tell me where, where, what your stands are. If you are conservative, I will um, help you get into uh, the... Con- Conservative Youth Party. Maybe even if you are on the far left. <laughs> oh, right. Maybe even, maybe even then I will... I, even if you are on the far left. You're I'll, almost welcoming. Uh, no, but even, yeah. But then take your values into your political uh, participation in the active left. Mm, oh, okay. And yeah, that's uh, so that was my message. Um, engage yourself in politics on... Uh, organizational uh, party basis if you are uh, politically interested and if you have 
convictions about what is right and what is wrong. That is my yeah. message. That and is... contact me if you want to do it. <laughs> that is a great message. And, well, I can add in that matter, um, look deeper into the roots of problem you are facing. Mm. That's more general one. And Do you think uh, that is more of a psychological, actually? Um yeah it may be of course of course we want to mm -hmm. find simple answers for difficult questions but that's not how it works and um we want to like look at the top of the iceberg yeah. but uh we need to look at the whole picture mm -hmm. and at least try to do that that's what i'm mm, encourage you to try to do so that was the conversation with daria at least the part we had enough space to record and I was thinking if whether or not I should say something here in the end um, because I think the conversation itself stand as a very convincing testament um, to how important to how important it is to help um, Ukraine and to support them in every conceivable way. Um, but of course, first and foremost, with more weapons. Um, but since this is the first English conversation, I want to say um, a few things about the journey I hope to embark upon with all the with all the listeners. I want to say a few things about the ambitions, about the aims, and what we are doing. Um, the ambition is to help Ukraine in every conceivable conceivable way. And the aim is to seek out as many possible ways to do this. And there is a lot of ways. And I also think there is way more ways to do this than the active political environment in Denmark is right now um, aware of and can maybe right now see for themselves. Um, concerning this exact conversation, i believe the most important takeaway is the fact that me and Daria see this from two different worlds, where I see it from the Danish Western European position, uh, whereas she sees it from the Ukrainian position. And those positions are just very different because I see this coming from a nation that doesn't have any collective conscience about fighting for freedom. Um, it is just like that. Denmark never thought um, was for the freedom that we have today. And that is um, very different if you compare that to Ukraine, who have fought many wars for their freedom. Um, they have not always been successful, but they ha have also always fought in the everyday life for their freedom because of the suppression that um, Russia has put upon them. Um, so, so yeah. Um, but the very, um, how can you say it? What you really also should think about in relation to this is the fact that my dream and um, the dream of Ukraine is that we don't have to have, that we don't have to see it from two different worlds. Um, the history doesn't have to be like that. We can create a common history um, where we are all free and where we all don't need to um, live in fear of Russian suppression. Um, and, and how do I get these uh, different conversations? Um, I have a conversation coming up with Marina Myron, 
a military analytic from King's College in London. That conversation, for example, um, came about simply because I wrote to her. I reached out. I saw her somewhere. I thought she has the right ideas. She says the right things. I want to talk with her. And then I reached out to her and I was um, lucky enough that she decided to say yes because she thought it, it sounded interesting. Um, so if anybody else wants to start their own thing um, where they want to talk with people, just don't be afraid to reach out. Um, I promise you, uh, more often than not, you will see that um, the people you reach out to actually just like the fact that uh, you're doing it and that somebody is interested in the same things as, the, as, as they are. Um, it is, of course, also going to be different conversations so that when I speak with experts, it will be more... Um, it will be less ideological, I would say, and more with um, focus upon the concrete, uh, things that is happening on the ground, for example, or things that Marina um, thinks is important in the modern informational warfare. Um, so yes, um, that's the distinction. Um, when I talk with Danish people, it will mainly be about Danish politics and how Danish politics is related to Eastern Europe. Um, Yes, and then a few things about my tone in the debate. Um, as I say, and as I have stated many times, we preserve the right to call out people that we think are above us in the hierarchy. Um, and when I say hierarchy, I mean the hierarchy. Everybody that participates in the public debate um, has a place in. Um, and why do we uh, think it is so important to call people out? It is important because when people say stuff that sounds pro-Russian or when people use whataboutism to an um, extreme degree, it distracts the debate and makes us coming to the uh, correct policy decisions more slowly. Um, and that's why we have to keep calling out people. Um, and I have, did, I have done this a lot of times with a certain politician from the party, most to the left in Denmark, uh, and I don't want to say his name, but the reason that I keep calling him out is because he did a tweet only one and a half months before the war, where he basically stated that if we were to support Ukraine, then what would happen uh, would be some sort of civil war between the east and the west of Ukraine. And the more times I say this, and the more I think about it, the more stupid um, that tweet just gets, um, and, and the more offensive it also um, becomes towards the Ukrainians. And, and I, I will keep talking about this, and I will keep calling such things out until he apologizes for it, until he says, it was wrong of me to write this tweet. I obviously didn't know anything about Ukraine. If he says that, well, then I will stop calling it out. Um, but you have to take responsibility for the stuff you said with regards to this. Um, yeah, and um, I just want to say, moving on from this as well, that from now on, I really want want to try to start focusing on the things that I want to change, on the things that I want to do, and not so much about the people that I disagree with. This is not to say that I'm not going to um, still talk about people that I disagree with or stuff that I disagree with. Um, I think... Um, yeah, the listeners will also already have realized that I'm just not going to be able to stop with that. Um, 
And yes, so before uh, I move on, let me just call out <laughs> a few people here. And it is Macron and Charles, the president of France and the Reich Chancellor of Germany. Um, and are they above me in the hierarchy? Uh, they are definitely above uh, us in the hierarchy. And they have just, in every conceivable way, I would almost say, um, they have um, let down Ukraine. Um, the only way in which they have not let down Ukraine is just by the uh, very simple fact of being well-functioning democracies, which that um, Ukraine can look at and say, we want to be a part of the world that, that they are a part of. Um, but that is only by their existence. Um, they have failed Ukraine in every other way. They always, um, they are always shelling when talking about weapons or other things to do, and they are always putting forward excuses for them not to do the policy actions that they should be doing. Um, but yeah, so so I just said I wouldn't uh, focus as much as people I disagree with, uh, but I just had to say this about Macron, Macron and Charles. I also want to uh, participate a bit less uh, on social media um, on an everyday uh, scale. It's not that I, I I can I can still tweet and do uh, posts every day, but but I will try to focus my um, activity there more on when I, for example, post a conversation. Um, and then yes, talking a bit about our values, we believe in freedom from suppression and freedom for democracy. Um, we believe in truth and we believe in facts and we will go very long length um, to make sure that whenever we present something, we do it with facts and concerning truth. Um, as I was also saying to Daria, there is this concept about truth, about not being something that is certain, but being something that you can pursue so that you can pursue a certain truth. Uh, and I think the truth that I am now thinking about um, that we have to pursue is the truth about Eastern and Western Europe not having to have two different uh, histories moving on from now on. Uh, and yeah, to this point, I can also just say that the war quote I mentioned is uh, something that was said by a Clausewitz in 1832. And he said, war is merely the continuation of politics by other means. So yeah, uh, I also need to talk a bit about the world of feelings versus the real world. Um, and this is because some people um, have alluded to me a bit that, that I don't really care about other people's feelings. Um, and oh, oh, they, 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 they didn't say exactly that, but they were alluding to something along the lines of me not um, taking into account other people's feelings um, enough. And, and I just want to say that the feelings that I care about in this case is the feelings of the Ukrainians. And what are the feelings of the Ukrainians? Those feelings are freedom, it is democracy, it is nationality, and it is... Um, fear of suppression um, and, and, and my point is just that when we in the West um, think too much about taking into account um, the feelings of, of different people um, here then, then sometimes maybe we shy away from participating in the real world because it is more comfortable for us um, to make and create policy based upon um, 
uh, a wish to not hurt anyone's feelings. And I just think in this specific case with Ukraine, we really have to to um, to, to to step out of um, of the world of, of feelings and then and to go into the real world. Um, I believe in the end, this is also why we. Um, think twice um, when we talk about the defeat that um, Putin should feel um, because I, I believe that there is a sort of a fear of uh, Russia losing uh, immensely in this war and I believe this comes back to the fact that we are afraid of hurting Putin's feelings as well. Um, and yeah, so going on from this, let me talk a bit about our aims towards political influence. Um, and that is very important because I really think we need to pursue political influence. We have some concrete ambitions. One is to gather all the political youth organizations in Denmark um, to do a serious um, proposition proposal about how, first of all, to get Ukraine to win the war and then on the other side to integrate all the Eastern European countries into EU and NATO. Of course, we want to get smarter all the time um, as well. I found this historian and foreign policy analyst, I think, Stephen Kotkin, and he has this concept where he wants to enlarge what we understand as international pol politics. Um, where we are today, it is a, a bit like you are either a realist, you are a liberalist, you are a Marxist, uh, or something like that. He just says, when you take policy decisions in Germany, for example, you also have to be aware of how the Ukrainians are going to react to a possible large-scale invasion of Russia, which is what happened. And I believe that what, what he means is that when Germany did all these um, business with Russia, they should have also focused upon the fact that already before they did all that, you could have um, seen that Russia at some point could invade Ukraine if you had just taken what Russia said seriously. And on the other hand, you could have also um, known that Ukrainians were not going to um, stand idly by and surrender um, in such a case. And um, it, yeah, it, it gets a bit complex, but, but the idea here is that you have Russia, you could expect what they would do. You had Ukraine, you could also expect what they would do. And you should have taken those two considerations into um, your evaluations before doing a certain policy. And that's where Germany got it wrong. And then also, listener participation. It is extremely important for me that uh, you guys keep uh, writing to me, keep saying what you think. Do I get the balance right between um, fun and seriousness? Um, yeah, so just keep writing to me about these things. And then... This concept we have, uh, or this uh, ambition we have, or it, it, it was maybe more of a joke when I said it to Daria, but we need a drone. We need to send a drone to Ukraine. This conversation series, what we are doing, the project that um, that, that, that I have started um, with my producer, um, we, we want to send a drone to, um, to Ukraine. And... And we want to do that because we really think that this is the way in which we will be most likely to do something that will, on a concrete scale, um, provide the Ukrainians with a weapon that they can use in their endeavor to um, fight for freedom and to fight against oppression. But I also don't have either the time or the, um, how can you say it, the, the, the know-how of, of how we're going to do this. So this is something that I will... Um, 
encourage um, the listeners also to take up uh, upon themselves. So if someone has a serious proposition, meaning someone has actually looked into how we're going to do this now, I'm looking a bit at my friend here because a lot of friends have said to me, when is the drone coming, Emil? And, and I've had to say that the drone is not just coming by itself. Uh, we need to do a lot of things to get there. Um, but, but yeah, this is, this is what I'm now encouraging uh, a possible listener to do. And then write to me. I also have some Ukrainian friends we can contact that will maybe know a bit more about this. Um, this is also just important, important because of the point we made about donations because I can encourage people to donate money um, to the Ukrainian army. I will keep doing that. But I just know that a lot of people... Um, they will rather donate um, to someone they know um, doing a project, which in this case then would be us doing this drone project. Um, also, the concept that I came up with during the conversation with Daria, the 1 to 10 concept, I'm realizing now that what I actually came up with was just um, reviews. Yeah, so what I came up with and thought was genius was um, what iTunes is already doing. But write to me privately. I really want to uh, have you guys write to me privately and with long explanations about why my conversations get the grade that they do. So far, I have one friend who has contacted me and he said that my conversation with Frederik uh, was a 10. Nine for general level, but 10 because we provide very good ideological critique of the far left. Yeah, and then the financial part. Um, so far, everything is volunteer and it will be volunteer until I say otherwise. Um, and this is just one thing that I uh, couldn't help but um, having as a part of this as well. I really want to honor what I, what the, what, what, what I see as the heroes, the heroes in the struggle for freedom in Eastern Europe. And to, to uh, conceptualize this uh, personification of a hero. Zelensky for me, for example, is not a hero uh, because when he decided to stay, I believe he did what all Ukrainians would do. So, so in that case, all Ukrainians are on this list. Um, so the, this list will, will probably mainly be a, a persons that has done something which is something that you couldn't expect of the person to do. I have a cameraman so far on the list who um, I came to know about because I was speaking with Mariam from Georgia and she works in an organization called the Shame Movement in, in Georgia that they are doing democratic activism and her friend, the cameraman, was killed basically for just doing that. Um, so he's, the, he's a person I will, for example, put on. There's also um, a Polish volunteer in the Ukrainian army um, that I just became aware of that I will also put on. And then there are some of the people um, doing the stuff that led to the Maidan revolution. Um, and they are Ukrainians, of course, but they stand out among Ukrainians, to, um, I think at least, because they were very early on um, started these things that eventually led to the, the, the large-scale war today. Um, yeah, this got way too long. Uh, of course it did. Um, so now I will just say thanks for the conversation. And the next time it will be more comprised and more subject specific. Um, but 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 all this was important because I am constantly and all the time um, developing this idea of what I want to do and how I want to do it. 
Um, and it and it is just immensely important that the listeners also um, participate in the creation and the coming of what what this is going to be, and and this of course my conversation partners are also a very huge part of. Um, yeah, so I'm just looking so much forward uh, to start this journey, uh, and then one large one last encouragement: ask yourself, what can I do for Ukraine today? Uh, yeah, so that was everything. Uh, links will be in the description. And one last thing, uh, Daria talked about a very important story about Gudrun Persson, um, a journalist that was, at least according to um, the story Daria told, cancelled um, back in the Zeros. I haven't been able to confirm that story, um, so, so I cannot confirm that right now. Um, but if anyone um, can help me uh, find something about the story, please do, and then write to me. Uh, and yeah, then go watch Winter on Fire on Netflix. Watch Winter on Fire. Um, it's about the Maidan Revolution. Um, one of the next episodes coming up will be a Maidan Revolution special where I talk with Veronica from Kiev, from Kiev that was also participating in the demonstration. And and I just think understanding what happened in 2013-14 is quintessential um, if you want to um, know anything about Ukraine. Uh, the next conversation I will post will be with Marina Myron. Uh, she's a very, very good expert. And let me just also express my gratitude here um, to her that she wanted to participate. Because although <laughs> I tell people to reach out, it is not uh, always super easy to get these conversations. Um, but, but the conversation with her was, first of all, very good, uh, very learningful, and will also maybe enable me, enable me to do more of um, conversations like that in the, in the future in the future so yeah that was everything uh hey and also uh, there should also sound a huge thanks to the producer Frederik Wagner and once again to Tadia Boyko from participating in the conversation it's not about freedom if it's not about Crimea that